0: Everybody, welcome to Frame Trap, a podcast where we huddle in somebody's garage and enthusiastically talk about video games. I am your host Ben Moore. Joining me today, Mr. Bradley Ellis. to my right here? Hello. Hi. And to the right of him is Michael Damiani. It's been a while. It's been Damiani. a while. It's been a
1: while. How you it's been doing? Been a while. <laughs> I wanted to say achievements, Brad. I almost you said that too, but and I was like, oh, wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> it was like, no. <laughs> But yes, I'm doing well. Ben. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. birthday? It's Michael
0: Damiani's birthday.
1: Wow! And, and dropping
0: that on the frame trap. Damn, dude.
1: Excu- shadow dropped. Yep. Sick.
0: It's only Damiani's birthday on this podcast. Happy birthday, dude. Not any other Easy Allies content. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Only
1: in this window as well.
0: And you know how you're celebrating your birthday, at least partially. I, I, came, I come in. Damiani was the first one here. Sitting at the table watching some Dragon Ball Z, Night, dude. Streaming some Dragon Ball Z. Such a good birthday, yeah. Garlic Junior. That's my kind of birthday. Yeah, that's
2: a good birthday, now, man. That's yeah, I like stuff. it.
0: I, <laughs> it's so sad because now with birthdays, I like I don't want to like go out and do anything I too crazy. It, yeah. Like I do. The, my birthday is like I don't want to deal with traffic. I just want to stay. Yeah, in my birthday is like and hey, yeah,
2: yeah. I just want to play video games. Eat yeah. some food. That's about it. Yeah. We're old. Are we old?
0: Uh, I guess there. are... I'm at a point now I'm almost 29 mm-hmm. I'm at a point now where I, I see some things and I'm like oh man that makes me feel really old like when you're getting into some this happens to me all the time like when you're getting into some music right yes and you're like oh my god this person is so talented they're so good I'm really into this this track or this album or whatever it is and then you know you do the thing you look them up on Wikipedia and you're like oh they're 20 cool what's going on Yeah. Which, what have I done with my life once That's you great.
2: hit that uh, that dirty 30 band the dirty 30 then you're like
1: whew I was looking up uh, hockey players on yeah. rosters because I was curious shit. about some stuff. And all the rosters I was looking at, all the birthday years, like 92, 95, 95, 97. 95. I, was like, I was like mid-90s. I was like, huh, hi, 20-year-old kids. So right. like, wait, wait, wait.
2: Who's your team, Damiani?
1: So it's a weird order here. I loved when I, uh, like everyone who grew up in either the the late 80s in, like through the 90s Wayne Gretzky was my favorite player. Kings baby then. So, but I I was more enthralled with what he had done already. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I went to the Kings I was kind of like, "Oh cool, Kings might win cuz he's on there." So that's the only reason I care about Kings. For whatever reason I like the Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks. And then yeah. the Dallas Stars, the home team cuz they oh, that's, came yeah, cuz they moved down team, right? from Minnesota. And they came out of nowhere. I was like, "Wait, there's a hockey team in Texas? What?" Uh-huh. And then they got good. Yeah, for a few years they were only known for having this player who got into brawls with everyone. His name was Shane. Uh, Is it true? Yeah, basically a goon. Just went around, beat up everybody. People would cheer him. They got good. <laughs> they won the Stanley Cup. Everyone was like, "Holy crap!" You know, they're they're pretty good. And so, yeah, it was stars, basically stars. Nice. And cheering for Wayne Gretzky is because I played roller hockey. Oh, yeah, me too. And our team was was named after the Chicago Blackhawks. So I was like, okay, well, I like them too.
0: When I was extremely young, I vaguely remember playing some roller hockey, you know, with the neighborhood kids getting together, waiting for the ice cream truck to come up the hill. But I remember, like, every roller hockey session, I didn't play that many, but I remember, like, every roller hockey session that I did, just, like... Getting way cut short because, like, the ball went down the drain or something, yeah. or you lost the it, ball, or, yeah. like, there were too many cars coming by, so. Man, I played never like, never quite as, like, hype as I, I think yeah. we thought it was going
2: to be. I played for, like, years on teams in roller hockey. Oh, I real played in, teams? Yeah, just I played like, up until okay. high school I quit.
1: Like, mm, junior nice. high,
2: I was our captain of our team and everything. Nice. nice. Then I hit high school, and I was like, man, I don't like playing sports anymore. Like, wow. Because you got to go to practice, dude. It's like, I don't want to go to practice right yeah, now. Only more, Brad would say that. They get more serious that. about practices yeah, I was when you like, get I don't school. School. And everyone got, like, really nuts about, yeah. like, and super competitive. Yeah. And I was just like,
0: eh, I
3: don't
2: really a care lot. that See, much.
0: that's... And this is probably just my school. I'm not trying to, like, generalize for all people out there. But that's kind of why I fell into, like, running in high school. Because, mm, yeah. like... Just again, on my own personal experience, the football team was taking it way too seriously. It wasn't any fun. The basketball yeah, yeah. team was taking it way too seriously. It wasn't any fun. The running team was just it's like- Pretty chill. Kind of a, yeah, but like a nice collection of weirdos that like knew how to have a good time. Got, got a few double yeah, men in there stuff. running and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you're running for miles, <laughs> you strike up some conversations, yeah, like, yeah, it's interesting. You, uh, yeah, before, you know, Before the big meet, you come together, you have a bunch of pasta. It was a good time. Oh
2: yeah, carve up, was, baby. Yeah, it was the, the <laughs> highlight of my like sporting
0: experience. Awesome. Wait, yeah. do, you, do you like hockey, man? Do you have a hockey team you like? Um, I have a weird history with hockey. Uh, Growing up, my cousin, who, like, I didn't have any siblings growing up, and so, like, I idolized my cousin. And so anything that he was into, I was mm-hmm. into. Uh, and he was big into the Chicago Blackhawks. Nice. And just kind of through, like, being around Good him, yeah, Blackhawks. I was kind of into it. Um, And then in high school, a friend of mine was really into hockey, and I wanted to get really into hockey. And so I actually, like... Took some lessons and stuff with this friend oh, and we, we played around for a little sick. bit. And I always thought much like many things, much like wrestling in my life. I always thought hockey was really cool, but I never I never like fully dove into the pool. Gotcha. I always felt like I had like yeah. my toes in it, but I was never It
2: helps if you got a friend who's really into it. Yeah.
0: That friend went ended up going to another school. Oh. Um. Either the next year or the year after that, I don't remember. But yeah, that was kind of my mm. weird spotty history with, cool. with hockey. Uh the last thing that I wanted to say about the ages. A couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I went to like the Smite World Championship thing in Atlanta. Mm. And cool. And they oh, had Atlanta? Yeah, it was cool. in Atlanta. They had like this brochure uh of all the players and kids were like I think there was a kid that was like 13. It was like 13, Damn. 15 parent permission, parent slip, dude. Yeah. That was the, that was the weirdest. And they came onto like the bus I was on and they just looked like just little dweebs. Little, little, little dweebs, and you're just like, I hope it works out for yeah, you, man. I luck, hope man. this smite thing works out. I hope you're not throwing away your school. I felt like a very concerned...
2: Like, how crazy thing. is that? None of that like existed when we were that young.
0: Yeah, it's... Yes. You just... Like, Twitch is something that you don't really think about all that often, but that is a remarkably new phenomenon. Even yeah. YouTube is a remarkably new phenomenon. Yeah, it's just, like,
2: can you right? imagine if we had that? We'd have so many embarrassing videos of us being little idiots on yeah. videos... I'm like, thank God I didn't have that. Oh, yeah, 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 Thank God. Definitely.
0: I'm glad that some of my younger days were not on video. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, speaking of that, though, I I can't help but feel a little bit nostalgic. I think when I was a kid, because just not having as many options. Like Sometimes mm-hmm. as a kid, it was like, all right, well, either I play video games, I go outside, I read a book... Or I watch a movie. Yeah. Like, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't just be like, I'm going to get lost in YouTube for two hours. And you couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I enjoy getting lost in YouTube for a couple of hours sometimes. But and it's, it's like, also nice to not have You live in Iowa, so
2: sometimes the weather wouldn't behave. Oh, I would say most of the, most time, of the time it time. felt like so the weather like, wouldn't behave. Maybe you got to take time, that into factor. Like, I lived in California, so it was, like, right. pretty chill, like, any time to go outside. Right. But, like, yeah, you're like, yeah. Oh, I want to go outside today. It's just a blizzard.
0: Well, it was it was many things. It was either like, oh, okay, it's flooding, it's a blizzard, it's too hot. Like it was it was all the things, all the elements, but yeah. I don't miss the cold. I know some people really like the winter, that's their thing. I think like
2: I like the winter because I grew up here. I don't know winter like everyone else knows winter. I get
0: that. It's precious. It's rare. It's a rare thing. Don't ruin it for me, everybody. Uh to get started with our our game discussion here, Damiani, you've played something and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't played it yet, but you've played it, you are a preview about it, you've got some things to say about a game that all three of us are eagerly anticipating, and that's Valkyria Chronicles 4. Oh, Talk to oh, me yeah. about that.
1: Valkyria Chronicles 4. That uh, I actually don't know if that demo was a self drop or not. I was not, I knew the game was coming out in Japan this month, but I didn't know that they were going to release a demo. I just saw the tweet go out that said, hey, Japanese PSN, Valkyria 4 is out. I was like, okay like the demo I was like I'm going now Yeah, like dropping everything going in because every I stopped watching trailers for that game after the second one because everything I saw in the trailer was like just spoke to me in terms of this is what I've been waiting for in a follow up to Valkyria Chronicles yeah. so what
0: is that what is the what is what you want what is being presented here that that strikes true to that Valkyria sense sure. Michael Damian?
1: Uh, yeah to, to, so to back up Um, obviously I loved the original Valkyria Chronicles and the Mm. the elements it introduced. Um, you can read this in any Wikipedia article. It's basically like, it's the soccer wars team basically got back together after and decided to make, Sega said like, make us a new series. And the two director, the director and producer put on Valkyria. One worked on a series called Nightshade. Uh, the other one worked on something you might've heard of called, uh, Skies of Arcadia And they took elements from all those series and put them together, and they got Valkyria Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And I honestly had not played anything like it before. It was real-time tactics, strategy RPG, but you can move around, complete control of your character when you're moving around. Enemies would react to you in real time. It was like objectives thrown at you and involving the environments. Like you can climb up watchtowers to get like a height advantage, scope around, take, there was like regular cover that was like intended where you could duck down. It would have, that would actually affect your stats. Then there was natural cover where it's like you break line of sight. It was all, it was just like, so like fun to play something like that. So refreshing to see something like that. And it, it did well enough. It sold well enough here. It got pretty good reviews, and Sega's so like, "Hey, let's keep let's keep this ball rolling." We got *Valkyrie Chronicles 2* here, and while I enjoyed that game and think it was a pretty good game, the problem was it was for PlayStation Portable, mm-hmm. and as such, they designed the game in a different way in terms of the the map structure. So the original maps in the in the original game, these pretty large maps, like an entire mm-hmm. town would be a map, or the infamous Mission Seven, where it's just this giant like desert. Area with these like structures you gotta break down because there's a giant tank just moving around this like tank gargantuan death. tank yeah. just moving around all over the place. And it's like the scale was really good, it all just got like shrunk down for PSP. Maps weren't even like uh, coherent in terms of like uh, seamless transition. It was you go to a you'd capture a base and he could warp to the next part of the map, and it was just so fractured and, and, and disjointed because of that. It didn't really live up to the original Valkyria, and while there was a third one we never got here that was Japanese only, mm-hmm. uh, they made some of the they added a bunch of new classes basically to kind of counter that shortcoming, mm-hmm. but a lot of people didn't get to play it period, and it's still it was still missing that the, the 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 complex objectives, the 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 sweeping maps. I, I kind of missed that element of it, and two. Had this stupid high school academy yeah, setting. I was about to say. They went like full anime. They went all in with like the tropes. I was just like, no, this is supposed to be something that was trying. The original game tried to tackle an alternate take on World War II. They tried yeah. to touch upon pretty serious subjects. I know it gets mocked a lot for like, I shot someone, I'm going to do a cute pose and stuff. But at the same time, the actual narrative touches upon some really serious topics and does it in a pretty decent way, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's surprising. I don't think that when you look at Valkyria Chronicles for the outside, it's it's surprising some of the things that they touch upon uh, in regards to war and race specifically. I'm not saying that it handles it amazingly and is yeah. like a comprehensive excellent view on it, but they they go a lot further than I personally was expecting in Valkyria Chronicles 1. I haven't played uh, Valkyria Chronicles 2 and I haven't played Valkyria Chronicles 3, um, but just kind of like the conversation that I've seen surrounding Valkyria Chronicles 4, I've seen a little bit of worry that it's too much... Like one and is not taking the things from two and three that were good and implementing them. Some people are worried that maybe it's it's too much of a throwback. Again, I'm kind of watching this from the outside and I haven't played the Valkyria Chronicles Four demo, but that's kind of what I've seen. But it sounds like maybe to you, you like that. You like kind of that return to the vibe and gameplay of Valkyria Chronicles One.
1: Yeah, I I think that's all. I think it's a little bit jumping the gun. To, to claim it's just too much like Valkyria One. Especially when most of the criticism leveraged against two and three were why isn't it more like yeah. Valkyria One? Mm-hmm. I, I think the the real like boiling point for all this was the spin-off Valkyria revolution. Because <laughs> it was a, a spin off. No one asked for that. They like when I saw it, I was like, this might work, but why don't you just make another like valkyria chronicles 4 Mm -hmm. like why are you giving me revolution or could you call valkyria chronicles 4 and give me some more faith like didn't review well didn't sell very well i keep seeing like the 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 discount price of it going down and down but i thought that was the end i was like well that's the end of valkyria because that one bombed hard and but sega had already greenlit no one knew about it but sega greenlit the fall before Revolution even came out, Valkyria 4. Mm -hmm. And then last year, fall, they were like, hey, it's coming. I was like, oh, there's hope again. Uh, Yeah, besides, like, the map stuff, it's just, like, the tone, especially if I'm playing the demo. The things I like about it is just, like, the tone. It's back to being, it's very war-focused. There's no overtly goofy, like, there's still tropes in there. But it feels much more like the vibe I got from Valkyria One mm-hmm. with the with the camaraderie and the and the squad E or uh, it's something E uh, forget what the it's actually squad E or just group E or whatever E mm-hmm. the, the the bonding they have the character development it seemed to be in line with what I enjoyed in Valkyria One so that was a pleasant thing to see about it but the biggest draw of it was that. On the second mission, there's a tutorial mission, first kind of basic mission. It's not, it's not really a cakewalk. First, the first real mission is you got to storm basically this like fortress. Uh, it looks like a, a, a castle meets an academy type thing, and on the ramparts are a bunch of like turret guns, and they have the height advantage, and they like they they can outgun you, and you got to find a way to pick them off from the sides. And and also use the the mortar class, which you know can t- you can like raise the camera up and down to like get different perspectives, try and drop the mortar shells on them, which is kind of cool. But it wasn't anything too unique. It was just kind of like a corridor level, you just gotta find a way to survive to the end. The yeah. second mission, this is where it gets good. It's fog of war, bunch of complex objectives thrown at you. You're locked behind a gate. So, you got to take an alternate route a long way around through the village. It's set in this like really dense village that, uh, with, so you're basically in the streets trying to walk through the streets and the narrow like back alleys and stuff. And your, ta- your objective is to identify tanks because you're going to take them out. But the catch is because it's fog of war, you can't, the, the enemy has taken advantage of that and has put up wooden like replicas of tanks. But to you, the player, they appear to be legit. They look, uh, they're indistinguishable from a normal looking tank. You can't shoot them from afar um, and tell that they're fake because you're like, oh, I'll shoot the ragnite, the blue thing on the back. They'll blow yeah. them up. If you, you do that, whether you do that on a fake or a real, it does no damage. For uh, hmm. uh, uh, It was in Japanese. So I didn't know the explanation for that. So I'm assuming there's a good explanation why they don't take, the real ones take damage. Mm-hmm. But you have to get up close really up close to them and then you'll like relay the reconnaissance back this one's a fake this one's a real and you gotta go do the whole map with fog of war and do that while there's regular soldiers and stuff there's enemy encampments you gotta take over and that's just part one of that mission the second mission is you gotta coordinate with the anti-tank units out back uh, beyond the borders of the uh, level and you gotta shoot towers with the, they have these like codes on them like these number codes and and you gotta shoot the numbers to switch them to the right code. It's seven one five, so they're all off by like one digit. But they're only uh, you can only hit them from one side of the tower. So you gotta like go around, take snipers, get in certain spots, and shoot them. And then it will signal the the, the anti tank units to fire, and they'll clear path. If you try and go out otherwise, the tanks will just like slaughter you. Mm-hmm. Like I was like so confused at first. I was like, there's like nowhere to go. Like I'm gonna get wrecked. What do you do? So. That it was nice to see those two things thrown together, and that's mission two, right? So, that's the second mission, they're throwing all that at you. So, that gave me that that instilled me with a lot of faith about what objective wise, yeah, the complexity they're gonna throw at so you. There's so
2: much in there, and it's just a demo, too. Oh, like, yeah, if for just like a that's, tiny slice, there's so much. That's not even it.
1: What that's there's more, Bradley what? Ellis. If you manage to beat the two missions, you get an extra mission. Oh, it is a snowy village with, like, hills and stuff, and you have anti—you uh, have the mortar units on the opposing side, they're bombarding you. So when mm-hmm. you run, you are getting hit by mortar shells if you don't dodge them. And if you get it, it does the whole ringing ear effect and stuff like that. So you're, like, distorted. So you get, like, you're super prone and vulnerable. It's like, oh, whoa, this is—you can't just storm this. So you gotta, like, have to figure out safe paths and stuff. They hide the units in, like, really clever spots. Um, if you if you just rush in, there's like, oh, there's three people, not one person, three soldiers right here waiting for you and the tank. Bam, You're dead. I was like, okay, maybe I should actually scout out the area first. Uh, it's not that terribly difficult, but it will punish you if you try and do the scout tactic, basically. Like, rush the scout out mm-hmm. and like, oh, I'm invincible. I'm a scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, scout's still a little OP, but... We'll see how long... Like It's only mission two and a bonus mission, so they might have learned your yeah. lesson. But it's a lot for a demo. Yeah, and then totally you get yeah. two skirmishes, which are just two of the existing maps with uh, some different objectives, essentially, thrown at you.
0: See, these impressions are really speaking to me because you're, you're what you're praising is how varied and interesting and complex it is in just this demo. And that is totally my experience with Valkyria Chronicles 1, how varied the missions were, how they would make you... Deal with something on the fly that felt really fun and usually not all that frustrating. Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was that that crea- that creativity and the variety in those missions. But you're also really worrying me. Like I want to play this demo. You've got me hyped up. Uh, but it's also completely in Japanese, and so I have to wonder: Do you feel like you're missing out on a lot? Do you feel like you had to fumble through it and it wasn't that much fun at certain points because you didn't understand?
1: The or- only thing was. Uh, the, the tower code thing uh, I because it was explained in Japanese so I was like what the hell are they talking about this sure. code thing uh, after, I think I streamed this so chat I was see. kind enough to let me bumble around that for a was little bit I was gonna to ask. see if I could figure it out on my own like oh even if he doesn't know Japanese let's see if he figures it out mm-hmm. and eventually I started getting a little I was like man this is Way ho- like the difficulty spike got really high here. Am I missing something, Chat? And someone's like, "Hey, I watched another so- someone else's stream. You gotta shoot the towers." I'm like, "Oh, that's what that code is." It's like, "Yeah, it says in the Japanese, it's like completely, it's totally explained to you. It's not like cryptic or anything. You just because you don't know Japanese, you just missed that point. That's mm-hmm. why you're having such a difficult time." But that other than that, no, like everything. I think it's because I had already played so much Valkyria Chronicles, and especially yeah. the first one, and that's a big point right down to the presentation of every element in that game the notebook is back like the journal sure. um with the flipping pages and everything like the little like bookmarks take you to the different options you got the training field again where you can train all your units and stuff um they cap you at level 4 cuz your progress in this demo will carry over into the final version Ooh. of the Japanese game but they level cap everything at 4 you can't go above your units can't go above level 4 sure. cuz like oh you can just grind out and keep getting experience um upgrading the gear like the weapons you can get medals earn better guns cuz there were like the metal rewards in the original mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. um tank parts like all that's back and that's why I think some people might be like it's a little too similar because like they literally took every element from yeah. Valkyrie One and brought it back, but it feels like they're showing that on purpose in the demo because like this is this demo literally has everything you were expecting out of Valkyrie One to be a back. sign of reassurance. And it's like you haven't even touched, scratched the surface of this game. Mm-hmm. Imagine what we have in store for you when you actually play the, like the final game. That's my perspective. I'm going into it with is that. Demo reassured me. I saw enough little morsels of like new elements. So I was like, okay, the, and I liked them. And remembering how many chapters the original game was, like chapter two, that's nothing. We right. we got a long haul to go here. Uh, Brad,
0: Damian was kind of going through the the history of Valkyria Chronicles, and it's it's been. You know, Strange History, you had the PS3 version, then you had the sequel on PSP, then you had the, the one that didn't come out here, mm-hmm. and then you had this spinoff that no one asked for and wasn't well-received, and so it, we've kind of been all over the map with Valkyria Chronicles, but Valkyria Chronicles 4 is coming back, it's it's coming out on all these platforms, it's it's a sign of reassurance in some ways, as Donny Ami was talking about. How likely do you think that this is going to be successful? Do you think this is just going to please the people that already like Valkyria Chronicles, or is this going to reach a bigger, wider audience? I think it'll reach a
2: bigger, wider audience, especially because when one came out on PC, it did extremely well. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people didn't know about these games. A lot of people like me who have only played the first game—I played it when it first came out too. So I've been really itching mm-hmm. for something like this. Like I think there's a lot of people that play that game coming out there and come back. They're gonna spread goodwill. It's gonna be one of those things that's gonna spread by the word of mouth. I think too. Yeah. Like I think this game's gonna do really good uh, cr- uh, critically, especially what is saying to me. It's like this is like this is what I want from this game. Yeah. I want yeah. I want it to be like one, but with some few new things. So I think it's gonna do really well. Actually, I think this will be a good move for Sega. How many platforms is it on?
1: So it's gonna be on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, uh, and Switch. I don't for, for and PC. I think. It'll be on PC inevitably, I think. Uh, I forget if it's originally on there. It's definitely on PS4, Switch, coming to Switch and Xbox One. Those three for sure. So it's on a ton I thought in the preview, I put I looked it up in PC was coming as well. Um, Switch is not so it comes out this month in Japan, mm-hmm. except for Switch. Switch will be in quarter two in Japan, okay. so it's coming a little later. We still don't we, we still don't have, have a, it's just confirmed for worldwide this year mm-hmm. in the West, but no actual release date for it yet. So it's yeah. gonna be
2: staggered. I think this will do really well. I don't like it reminds me kind of a Monster Hunter World situation where mm. like this game that's been these games that people really loved is now getting a ton of attention and where it was a like Capcom's fast-selling game of all time. I'm not saying it's going to be anywhere close near that level, but I think right. this game will do probably better than they expect.
0: Yeah, thinking about it, uh, you you brought up Monster Hunter World, and I think you could also bring up Yakuza and Nier, and those are examples that we've commonly cited before. Um, And I think a lot of that is, we were talking about the newness of Twitch and YouTube, Mm -hmm. and I think the tool that helps make these games bigger than they normally would be is now you have so many voices who are familiar with the series where they can a contextualize it tell you what this is and explain it and break Mm -hmm. it down and there are also people who if you are feeling intimidated or you you're just new and you don't know there are so many voices who specialize in very specific content that can be like here's what you do if you want to do this here's what you do um and like you look at like monster hunter world and you look at like Gaijin Hunter and Eric's and what they're doing with games. And you, there are other games where they do that too, you know, Rainbow Six Siege or Destiny, whatever it is, where I think those creators, those content creators, are making these games a lot more digestible for people, and I think that's having an effect on sales. I think mm-hmm. that's having a, an effect on, on how these games are seen, and you're seeing other companies uh, pay attention to that mm-hmm. and invite those very specific focus creators over-depressed events and giving them early access uh, because yeah. I think they're becoming increasingly aware of that too. So I think that's interesting. Um, but Damiani, that was nothing but good news, man. Yeah, that was every last. Like, we watched was... the trailer and we had full-on excitement, ready to go. This seems exactly what we want. And you're sitting here and basically reaffirming that. So
1: I'm just itching to want to play more of it. And like I played the demo to death. Mm-hmm. Like as 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 much as content was in there, it's right. just. I need the final game. And I don't think I'm going to bite on playing it in Japanese. Like, through the, like I, I want to ha- enjoy the story sure. for this game. So I'm going to hold off till the English version. It's just like, oh my gosh, please. Just like, it, it, I like I just know. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. I just know I want to play more of what I like, got a taste of.
0: At least your weight will be somewhat helped by Nino Kuni 2, which I also believe will probably be pretty good.
1: We are hoping. Look at that smile. We're hoping. That's just anticipation. We're, hoping. we're yeah, hoping. We don't know for sure, <laughs> but we're hoping. But if you go off the first one, and from what I've and, played of it, yeah, you. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's always a good indicator. I always want to say that it's not—it's not the easiest thing, but it is there. It, you can present a game very nicely in a controlled demo environment to mm-hmm. make it seem like it's going to be a great game. That doesn't always guarantee it's going to be of a good game. Sure, they absolutely. might have picked like the best boss battle of Nino Kuni two for us to play at E three last time. Right. It's like, yeah, we know this is the best one, but well, don't tell them.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just playing four hours of it and getting a yeah. solid sense of the. Yeah, early you got story, to play more. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, okay, this. This four hours was strong. Yes. Okay, four hours is a good, good amount of time. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is good. Four hours is a good amount of time. But yes, yes I agree yes, with you. Yes, yes. E3 demos in particular can be deceptive. And those are... E3 demos are the hardest to come and speak about because sometimes the demo is so good or you're in the moment of excitement mm. with a big trailer or reveal. But a lot of these demos, it's like, okay, I've got to play it for 15 minutes in this very crowded space. And so so you, you
1: doubt yourself a little bit. Ben. Yes. Real quick. Great example of that. Yeah. Revengeance at E3. Oh, okay, I had the worst time with it at E3. thought it was hot garbage. I don't know. <laughs> they give you like 10 happen? minutes. They won't even let you figure out how to play. Like they, they took you through a room that like the Konami style tutorial. Like here's a video like boot camp style. I'm like, okay, that's not going to help me. I'm not going to remember any of this. Let me play this and explain it to me. They threw me at it. And I was trying to play, and there was a guy next to me the whole time, like, "Uh, you could do this. Uh, you could do that. Uh, yeah, you're not really doing it right." So I was you like, know, "Oh my god, dude, you're not helping me at all." <laughs> you bring up a really good point. I was so angry, I was like, "Bye, your game sucks." The demo, the demo
0: attendant can really have a strong influence. Oh my god. On- like how the demo goes (laughs) because they they fall into like different buckets right because the first the good demo attendant they'll like be patient with you Mm -hmm. they'll understand that you're learning they will when it's like critical and it's like okay they're really not getting this they'll come in and they'll help you they'll offer additional context and so they'll come in and be like hey this is what this means or here's where you are like they'll just kind of like pay attention and watch but then you have the bad ones and the first type of bad demo attendant is the one that is like reassuring about everything where they're like Wow, you fast forwarded through the text boxes. You're like so good at Dude. this. I haven't seen anybody at E3 <laughs> no. that's played this so as well as you. It's it's nice that you're being <laughs> complimentary, but there are like people that go way too yeah. far with uh. it where they will praise you for everything and they're like, Oh my gosh, you got through that so fast. That's the worst. Or like the people who clearly have like a pitch they gotta do, and they're just like cycling through it, and you're yeah. you're like uh. you're figuring it out, but they just keep talking, yeah. and they just need to like take a step back, and you're like no, I, like I got it, I know you, you're just trying to do your job, but <laughs> so yeah, true. yeah, I have an influence. I like
2: really me. prefer when they don't talk to me at all unless I ask them a question. <laughs> That's when it's the best. Sure, sure, sure. Nice. sure.
0: Don't look at me. Don't yeah. look at me. Look away. Turn around. <sighs> uh. It's good that Valkyria Chronicles 4 was positive from from what you played, Damiani. I've got something else that was really surprising me and that I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, I played the the closed test. You get it for pre-ordering Warhammer Vermintide 2. Uh, Tell me about it.
2: Tell me about it, Ben.
0: Yeah, so a little bit of context. Ian and I played the first Vermintide at GDC. Oh. Uh, we had an appointment, and we went and we played it together, and it was really fun. It was like, oh, hey, it's, it's like a fantasy Left 4 Dead. But my impressions didn't go beyond that. Uh, I purchased the game, but I just fell into backlog hell, and I didn't play it. Uh, but I was really curious about Vermintide 2. Uh, Huber was hyping it up. I was like, oh, man, I had a, a good initial experience with Vermintide 1. I'm going to boot it up. And I thought, like, I was just going to play a little bit. It was right around lunchtime, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'll just play before lunch or around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got sucked in and played way more than I mm-hmm. thought because I actually think it is quite good, and I think uh, saying it is a a fantasy Warhammer like Left 4 Dead is a good starting point, but mm-hmm. there's more to it. There is there's so much promise from what I've seen in my initial goings of Warhammer. It's Rome like
2: that's so that makes me so happy because I would be cool with it if it was just Warhammer Left 4 Dead. Like, yeah. that sounds
0: fun to me as it is. Sure. But when you're telling me there's more, Ben? There's more. And it's it's not, it's not. what I like about it is it's not over-designed. Like, it's not too much. It's just a few little wrinkles here and there uh, that make it really interesting. And again, I c- I'm coming from the perspective of having played very little Vermintide 1. Yeah. Um, but I, it's coming at the right time for me as well, because I've been having, like, pangs for Left 4 Dead. Like I, I've been thinking about Left 4 Dead periodically for the last few months, and like I was playing with my girlfriend a little bit, and I was like, I missed nice. this. Like there's there was more here. We needed more than two Left 4 Dead yeah. games. Where is this? Where is this going? And What's it was like happening? a
2: rapid pace. We got one and two, and it just kind of and left then it forever. just fizzled just out. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: a lot of potential that was completely gone. Um, and all of the basic things that you appreciate about Left 4 Dead are present in Vermintide 2, and. I really want to emphasize how cool it feels and how good they are at evoking desperation. I think, in my experience, and I know I just read that they, they tweaked the difficulty, but I was playing on Recruit. I was playing on the easiest setting. You will feel desperation and hopelessness like, immediately, and it pushes you. Like, I, the first map that I did, I was in this field... And just having like rats run through the field, you get completely swarmed, and you'll have like one of your teammates get dragged away by this other rat, and you'll have like this 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 rat with like a gatling gun shooting at you from the hill. A gatling gun? Yeah, yeah, it's just it's insane. What they'll, is this they'll, they'll, they'll be shooting, they'll be shooting gas at you. It's You feel completely overwhelmed. And unlike Left 4 Dead, right, where your primary weapon is a gun, Mm -hmm. here your primary weapons are melee weapons. Um, And so the character that I spent the most amount of time with was the Elf, and what I like about it is you get little RPG things that kind of modify your typical Left 4 Dead experience, uh, where like with the Elf, I got double ammo capacity. That ended up being really useful, and so like the Gatling gun guys, it was like, okay, I should take care of them because I have the most ammunition and I can like zoom in with my bow a little bit to headshot them. Really useful. Uh, And also with the Elf, my health was regenerating. And let me tell you, in a game where you're surrounded and you have to deal with most things via melee, regenerating your health is extremely important. And so I felt very self-sufficient, but I felt like my ultimate, while well, good, like it just did a, a, a burst of damage, uh, was really good. But there were other people who, like the first guy I played, had this sword. And if you hit three enemies at once, your attack speed would increase. But his his like gun wasn't great Uh It wasn't as fast as the bow, but as ultimate, it was like, okay, I'll give everybody a boost of temporary health and you'll have those moments in Vermintide 2 so often where shit will just hit the fan and you want to scream at the person you're playing with like, hey, pop that ult. Yeah. Uh, and because you're taking so much damage and because it's so intense all the time, like you really want everybody to be on top of, of healing. And it's like, Hey, any potion that we find, like, I know you want to be selfish and I know you want to take that for yourself, but give that to the guy who really needs it or heal the guy that uh, really needs it. I have a question. So yeah.
2: Ben, one of my favorite things in video games is when a mm-hmm. class or something feels super unique and important. Yes. Like for example, when I, when I used to play Final Fantasy 11 back in the day, when I would get like a bard in my party, I was like, nice he got yep. bard buffs. Do the classes feel like that? Do they feel yes. like when you see you have a certain person on your team, you're like, yes, I got this
0: person. This will be good for this situation. Yeah. Um. There was, there was always... I didn't play as every single character, but I played at least with every single character, and it really felt like everybody had their own strengths and weaknesses And because of those strengths, you were really happy that they were on your team. And because of those weaknesses, Mm -hmm. uh, you had to work together. And I got that sense a lot. And uh, you also have character progression. You will be leveling up. You'll be getting new weapons. You'll be getting uh, different uh, talents, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so I like that as well, where... You can really focus on a specific person. Unlike Left 4 Dead, where basically is everybody, the, yeah, everybody he, is the same. It's like, like gun, yeah. hey, I want to play with Brad because he plays this character really well. And I know he's going to use his ult cool. at the right time. I know that he knows how to work around the weaknesses of his gun or whatever it is. And so I like that. I like that specialization.
1: Is that different from the first one, then? That that, that, that To that degree? So I don't remember. Oh, okay. my, oh, I have, right, like, right. the
0: foggiest memories about Vermintide 1. Uh... And so I don't I don't remember like if there were classes I don't remember them feeling as distinct as Ravnite Two, but I honestly don't.
1: Recall. Gotcha. I ask because it seems to be like a trend with a lot of like the online squad-based games right. is having those like roles and stuff of like being mm-hmm. unique enough and being very important that that that's like one of the key ingredients for being you know successful. Yeah. So it sounded like they were following the trend, which is like you know good. Like that. It, what you're describing sounds very interesting. That to, to the point that I was like, huh. I, I like this is probably gonna be big when it comes out. Like right. it, it's, it's it's this good of a vibe behind it. Yeah, and
0: you're right. It is a, it is a trend uh, with a lot of these these types of survival games. Uh, but I find that sometimes what prevents me from because there are so many like any given month it feels like you can go on Steam and there's like something rising to the top of the bestseller list that is some sort of survival type of thing but what prevents me from getting too far deep into them is talking about that over design element where it's like okay you have all you have these all these layers that you need to understand before you can really appreciate the game and what I like about Vermintide 2 is that stuff is there yes you're going to get different weapons yes your character is going to progress yes you have the sense of ownership but on a fundamental level it's like hey dude survive and so that stuff that like those stats and those talents and all of that stuff, it's not too much. It gives it enough to keep it interesting and to keep you wanting to come back. Uh, Okay. But... It's not so much that I felt like I had to penetrate this layer just mm. to get in and enjoy yeah, the game so that, that and feel that intensity. Great. So yeah. that
1: sounds really good. I hate it when games. I get what they're trying to do. They're yeah. trying to work up to this like the, the 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 deeper levels of the the systems that you got to understand because they have like the better payoffs, so, like it, right. the quote unquote getting to the end game or what's going to keep you coming back for more. I hate it when they put their entire stake into that. Like the the, the entire gamble is the player's going to get to that point. Right. And the early games suffer so much for that. Right. I just wish more games would do what you're, like, what you're describing with Vermintide here, is that, no, you get immediate payoff with that. Like you, 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 It's hitting you with what it's trying to do, and it's not hitting you with the wrong, overly complicated stuff initially, but right. it is going to be there. Right. You're going to get disenjoyment, you're going to keep playing it, and it sounds like you're going to naturally work up to that, because they already did its job of keeping you there to play it, which... Feel so many games fail to do that, and they just don't have that, you know, nearsightedness. They're just too, yeah. you know, long. Like they're playing the long game.
0: Right, exactly. I, I think I think the core has to be there, and sometimes I get this sense that because, um, you know, let's say a particular genre may be oversaturated, that they they need to stuff more complexity in there in order to stand out from the crowd. Um, I get that sense sometimes, but in Vermintide too, you, you strip away all of that progression, all of that other stuff. It's still kind of exhilarating to be in there to fight this giant menace and to have like the, the the voices be like, "Hey, you have to, you have to hit the head to take this down," or to see like a sea of green flame. Like there's just kind of this visceral immediacy with Vermintide, much like Left 4 Dead the first time that you experienced it, and that the tank came in, and you oh heard that music <laughs> like bum bum bum. <laughs> like, it was just exciting to play on a very basic level, and I think Vermintide 2 uh, captures that. I do want to say, so there are tank enemies. Okay. Um, there There, There are big, giant, hey, they've got a health bar type of thing that you need to take down. And again, I was playing on Recruit. I was playing on the easiest difficulty. These things, like, every single time I encountered them... Would either wipe us out completely, to, like deplete all of our ammo, they, they took forever to take down, but it was kind of exciting. They felt like even more of an event than like a tank in Left for Dead. It was like a huge Sweet. moment. And because you didn't necessarily know when it was going to appear, that excitement uh, kind of carried through throughout the session as well.
2: So are you pretty much uh, like dwarf, elf, human in this? Can you be the orcs?
0: The chaos? Um, no, you're, you're, I believe it's two humans. Yeah. It's two humans, I believe an elf and a dwarf Okay. Are the, the classes that I saw, gotcha. the characters that I saw. Um, but yeah, it's very, very good. There were some performance issues that I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to tell if that was comp- on my end or if that was the game, but there would definitely be times, especially when things got extremely chaotic where I'd be playing like around 60 most, most of the time. And then it would just zip to yeah. 30 for a brief moment and then pop okay. back up. But Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to dig into to more of it, to have a better understanding of it once it releases. Um, Me too. But hmm. very, very strong first impressions right now for Vermintide. Uh, Brad, Huber, Damiani, like... This is something. This is a game the allies should play together. Oh, I'm I
1: think yeah. I think you've convinced me. Okay. I'm down. Yeah. Um, I won't be here Friday for the stream. Like I can, won't be able to join you. Yeah, we're doing it Thursday. I think. I, Thursday. I'm out Wednesday through Friday okay. this week. But there's, if there a, other... if there's a, a return engagement. Yeah. I'll be happy to join.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Brandon would like it as well. I do. I think he'd like it. Brad, uh, last episode, I kind of. Aired my grievances with the Secret of Mana remake, but you played a lot more than I did. Played, you played all of the it. whole thing. Ooh. And what do you think? Uh,
2: mixed bag.
0: Okay, mixed
2: bag—good and bad kind of thing.
0: Are those? Are those? How much is the good and badness tied to the remake, and how much of it is tied so, to Secret Man itself?
2: Some of it's tied to the original Secret of Mana, like. But the thing about the remake is, it feels like a missed opportunity in a lot of ways, to fix problems that the first one had mm-hmm. or to, like, try to trump it. I don't think this version is necessarily better than the original one. Like, I it would be hard for me to, like... I would recommend, for example, to you, Ben, mm-hmm. to play the original version because I yeah. think it would click with you more because the original version, it has a certain vibe to it that gets kind of lost in the remake. It could be the art style... Like, that's a big part of it. Like, mm-hmm. the art style doesn't really bother me that much, but I know it bothers a lot of people. Yeah. But something is kind of lost in that transition where it doesn't feel quite right. Mm. But, for example, like, the remake, there's some things I like. They have kind of cutscenes now that can be done because it's, like, more 3D kind of going on, which yeah. is cool. And there's some moments between the main characters when they're in just talking, but it's not really that substantial. Right. But it's just, like, a cool little thing where you can get, get to know the characters a little more. But, like, that's about they add also two hockeys for magic and that's about it that seems, that seems really sweet. it seems good it's it's like it is nice but it's like mm-hmm. there should be more I feel like this this remake should have a little more it doesn't feel like a remake that they gave I'm not saying they didn't give enough attention to it but it, it felt like a missed opportunity to me like it's fine yeah but I kind of expected a little more from a full-blown remake
0: so playing the original and now going through the remake uh what? how would you, Bradley Ellis, as somebody who's le- steering the ship, what would you like to see improved specifically for a revisit to Secret of Mana?
2: So, I feel like the boss battles, especially, and like some of the, the ramped up difficulty, is really weird because some of the bosses I feel like are kind of impossible without magic. It feels really weird. Like, hmm. I feel like when I was playing this game, like, hey. I really need to grind out magic to get past this. And it kind of sucks. It's not really that fun. Like, I get it. Like, older RPGs were kind of like, yeah, you got to grind a little bit. But the process of doing it wasn't rewarding or fun to me, like, at all. I found myself just kind of bored. A lot of the, like, the encounters aren't that fun. Like, the boss battles, like, you know, when you do a boss battle, like, hey, you got this, like, mechanic you got to pay attention to. There's only a couple where you got to deal with something different. But they're not that great. Mm. They're just kind of like attack that spot and then that spot then that spot.
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. So uh, going very, very, very slowly like the last couple of months chipping away at the original Secret of mm-hmm. Mana, I've definitely hit that point as well. Or at least in the area that I'm in, kind of like this spot, it feels like, hey, every single boss, the most efficient, best, safest thing for me to do is just to spam magic. And it's, it's, thing and it's
2: like, that's not how it feels like. That's what
0: it is. Right. And that's, you know, th- those encounters, not that memorable as a result. But do you think, as a remake, they should go in and retool that? Or is there an it's obligation like, to kind of I don't know, it's like, it this the is same? your
2: chance to, like, kind of change it a little bit. Mm. I think this was the chance. I, like, I could get the idea where, like, hey, we want to keep it super faithful to the original. Like, I totally get that. That works in some cases. Mm-hmm. In ca- like, Shadow across like, that works. But I feel like... You could have fixed some things. Mm-hmm. That's what I just really feel like. Could have just done a
0: little more to make it better. Um, beyond the boss fights, you're talking about them needing to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that come to mind that you would have liked to see them fix? Ugh, Just, like, the story of this
2: game is pretty boring, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty bored going through all of this. There's moment. A lot of it is not interesting. I do Is think, it just too
0: simplistic for you?
2: It's just, like, it's barely there. Mm-hmm. Like, the story's barely there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's, like bosses kind of like enemies but you're just like who's this oh they're gone that's it I'm like who's this guy oh he's gone it doesn't matter
0: I agree with you um I, I think for the most part I found the story just kind of in the background mm-hmm. but one thing that I do like is it's mostly out of the way uh, yeah see I'm, like it's I,
2: a it's a double-edged sword because that right, can be good right but at the same time it's, it can be bad in a lot of cases I found myself like Having not a lot of motivation sure. to keep going,
0: I understand that. I I think having a stronger jo- story increases your desire to play, but at the same time, it's like okay, if they did go in and tried to add more story, I don't just want to sit there listening to yes. like the same level of quality, just more of it. And I think, you know, that is that is a problem that a lot of RPGs are suffering where they just don't know when to shut up, where they, yeah, oh they yeah. just, they what they're doing is extremely basic and they just keep going on and on and on. And so I would rather have it be like, not that great, but kind of in the background uh, versus not that great. And oh my God, there's way too much of it. Yeah. It's just like
2: the story of this game, a lot of the payoff, I guess, doesn't come till the end of the game mm-hmm. and it's super like fast. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what the hell just happened? That's it? Like the ending was like super done. The bo- Ugh, the last boss fight was so so bad, dude. Hmm. Terrible last boss fight. What made it so Ugh. bad? Because, so th- for this boss fight, you need to have, you can only attack it by having Prim and Popoy cast magic on you so you can hit it. And this buff you put in weapon doesn't last that long, so you gotta wait for, and the boss comes in like phases, you'll fly away, shoot fire at you, nothing you can really do, you just gotta take the hit, mm-hmm. then you wait for it to land, then it just keeps repeating like that. It's like, dude, this is so boring, man. Mm. Why did it have to have this weird mechanic where it just flies away and I can't do anything? I'm just sitting here getting hit, and I gotta wait for it to come back. It's like, I'm here, gone. You just gotta wait for it. You gotta wait a little bit. It's just really annoying and frustrating. Just like kind of all the bosses of the game. Like, a lot of them are simple, but it's just like, it's not that fun. I wasn't having a lot of fun doing it, man. Like Yeah, I'm, so I love- it sounds
0: like what you're saying is that the charm of the original some of that has been lost but a lot of your issues a lot of the frustrations you think are kind of yeah. present in secret like i overall. noticed
2: this when i was playing through the original version too like i was mm. just kind of like hmm i don't think i like this game as much as everyone else kind of thing sure because it was just like a lot of little things just adding up when i was playing this game just a little here in my kids kind of annoying that's kind of annoying that's kind of annoying that's kind of annoying i wasn't like freaking out during it like just something like terrible yeah but just like little things chipping away at me as i was playing through this game
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh the, m- one of the problems is because i played most of it by myself because this game is way more fun and enjoyable if you have friends to play with you it's because the ai in this game is it's not good it's pretty bad dude like yeah. party members dying a lot just not moving, getting stuck behind walls, and not have to go back and get them or switch over to them.
0: Yeah, I noticed in the remake they definitely still got stuck. But something I appreciated at the very least is like your, in the original, you couldn't get that far away from them. Like if they were yes. if they were stuck behind something, you couldn't keep going. Here they let you go much farther, mm-hmm. uh, and so you're not you're not quite as tightly tethered. Not as quite you're, as tightly uh, tethered, but like, it's just like this
2: game is like twenty five years later. I think mm-hmm. like. Could have just tightened it up a little bit? A little more tightness on some stuff? So you're saying they didn't do enough? They didn't. I feel like they didn't do enough. Hmm. It didn't feel like full attention yeah. kind of thing.
0: It's always interesting uh, playing a remake of a game that you know is very highly regarded. Yes. Um, it's always interesting playing something for the first time that you know is very highly regarded. Uh, Damiani, what is your experience with Secret of Mama? Uh,
1: I played up to the point in the original Super Nintendo version... You fall down the waterfall and you get the blade. That's the very beginning of the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go, Brad. And that okay. is my experience with okay. Secret of Mana. Okay. So I have
0: to ask,
1: was there a particular reason you stopped? Uh one, I wasn't the story wasn't drawing me in, even at that early point. Uh, compared to other RPGs I was playing on Super Nintendo at the time. I'm just like, okay, I'm not. Well, Final Fantasy four. I got really hooked with this, like Kane and Cecil getting like excommunicated from Baron, and they gotta go deliver this package. I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, this king just tossed them out, but these two like cool buds are going on a journey here. Uh, yeah, even six, the march on Narsh at the beginning, the uh-huh. assault on Narsh, like, this is really awesome and stuff, which is after. I was like, okay, I'm down with this. Like, Chrono Trigger, like Super Mario, everything else had like an inner- intro that kind of like drew me in much. Like yeah, more effectively, more effectively mm-hmm. than Secret of Mana. The other thing that really was getting on my nerves was the 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 battle system mechanics. Uh, I'm not. <sighs> it's not my preference. It's not. I'm not sure. saying it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't like that style. Mm. And uh, the more I played it, I was like, I I really don't want to play this. I, I'd rather go back to traditional turn-based battle systems at the time and i I just kind of gave up on it i was like the story's not doing it for me it looked gorgeous though i love the music and i loved how it looked Mm -hmm. i just the 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 battle system and and the story just wasn't doing for me i was like i'm gonna walk away from this because i'm not gonna spend like at the time like these games are like 30 40 hours i don't know i'm i'm out i'm out yeah
2: Yeah. um this version does address some things like It tries to address the AI of, like, your characters. Like, you can now have them attack different enemies than you if you want. Or they can do, like, charge attacks. But it's, like, a lot of that just doesn't really feel like it mattered when I was playing. Hmm. Like, it just doesn't even matter when I'm going through this. Like, for instance, the magic, like, the hockeys, it's, like, yeah, I have all this magic with, like, Prim, for example. Yeah. But it's, like, hey, 90% of the time of the game, I just had heal. Uh, hotkeyed on it. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing else like really mattered when I was playing it was super weird. I'm like I have all this stuff but I don't need to use any of it. Hmm.
0: Yeah that's interesting. I, I think on a fundamental level I, I still have a lot of respect and get a lot of satisfaction from the core combat of Super yes. Mana. Uh, I really love the idea of having to wait until a meter builds up or to choose to use charge attacks to get a big hit on a guy. And I think it was really good. Like the original Secret of Mana in my experience so far is really good at giving you feedback, like hitting an enemy, the sound that it makes, seeing that it got thwacked. Like all of that was really fun. Hitting something, choosing to run away, having to be very conscious of space. I thought all of that was good. I very much agree with you um, on the AI being frustrating a lot of times. I very much agree with that. And... The bosses just spamming magic to get rid of them. That hasn't been very well, there's fun. There's no more thwack either. Yeah, there's no more thwack in the remake, which is very upsetting. Uh, but the other thing with the bosses beyond the magic spamming is sometimes I think Secret of Mana is bad at communicating information where, like, you try to hit something and you can't tell that you missed it because of the things like evasion or... Or if you just actually Dude, missed
2: it, what if I tell you that just gets worse as the game goes on? That's like, not enemies just start having way yeah. more evasion. So, like this happened to me a lot when I was attacking, or I was charging up attack, doing a charge attack ban, and you can get mm-hmm. different levels as your levels or your weapons level up. So I'm like charge four, ready to go, get this guy, and like one of my AI partners hits him as I'm about to unleash it, and I do it, and it doesn't do any damage because enemies have like a cooldown period when you hit them. It takes a second. You can't hit them right after to do damage right after that. You have to go wait a specific second so I would hit guys,
0: and it just wouldn't do anything. Mm. They're just like, dude, why, why are you doing this, man? Just let me like, hit it. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of moments in Secret of Mana where where something will happen. I'll be like, why did that happen? And then I'll go, and I'll look it up, and I'll be like, oh, okay, that's why that happened. But just within the game itself, sometimes that information isn't as clear. Yeah, I like. I, like it I
2: sound like I'm being super hard on this game. Yeah. I do like this game. I think it's fun to play through and go... Yeah. Especially if you have friends like it. But I just have... There's just a lot of look, little nitpicks I have with it. Especially the remake. I I feel like there could have been more. To bring it to a modern standard for JRPGs that we could... like To bring it to a modern standard. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like they should have been able to do with this game. And they just didn't.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I, I do think... Your forgiveness of things is comes down to how familiar you are with them. So, like, if you and I had finished Secret of Mana five times mm-hmm. and loved it to pieces as children, I wonder if our complaints would be as strong as they are now. And I, I am curious for people that, that are at that point mm-hmm. with Secret of Mana, where they know it inside and out, how they feel about the remake and how they feel about yeah.
2: the changes that like, happened. Yeah, if you have two other buddies with you and you guys played this game, you're going to have a fun time.
0: I still have not played any Secret of Mana co-op. I've just played with That's the,
2: AI. That's the way to play this game. Sure. Like, I would recommend that the most of everything if you can.
0: Sure. Uh, Damiani, yes. I have some news for you.
1: Oh. Yeah. i ask Brad one last question about Secret of Mana. Please. Because I might have to correct myself. Uh, is that sword part before or after you fight the rolling tiger boss thing? Oh, that's before. The, the sword, sword thing is like the first thing. That's the, sword. That's okay. the first yeah. thing I might, I might be the wrong. The rolling boss tiger is boss is, like is the where I, second or third boss. Yeah, that's where I gave up. Okay. Hmm. like I, I tried twice to beat it, and I was like, okay, I'm done.
2: I feel like this game isn't as hard as the original. I feel like the original was a little more annoying too. I feel like mm. they maybe toned down the difficulty. Uh, one good thing I will say about this game is I feel like the hitboxes are better on enemies now. Mm. For mm. example, there's a wall enemy, like, a, like a, a demon wall kind of thing. It's like okay. two eyes on a wall and like an eye in the middle. Like I remember in the original one, I would just swing at it be perfectly lined up and wouldn't yeah. do anything. Well, that was, no,
0: that was the evasion thing that I was talking about. I know exactly
2: but I'm just, uh, Yeah, I was getting yeah. like,
0: I'm like, dude, just let me
2: hit this guy! Right. Yeah. So Especially when you got to charge up to wait to attack again. When you're, like, going for 30 seconds and not hitting a guy, it's just mm-hmm. kind of annoying, but they, I think they fixed that a little more with some bosses.
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry, about him. No, don't
0: tonight. be sorry. I've got some news for you. Uh, yeah. So we, we talk about the demons of the frame trap, and if you're unfamiliar with this little weird part of the show... Uh, Somebody will say a phrase or a word that will, will trigger these demons and it will put us into a game that we have to play. And the, the two panelists will compete amongst themselves to, uh, to try to get out of the game. And I think we have a pretty fun one today. Uh, But Damiani, they usually like to pick words that annoy them or that they think are completely ridiculous. They're feeling pretty chill today. Mm, And uh, you happen to say a word that is like kind of just gelling with the demon's vibe (laughs) right now. You say cool buds.
1: Cool buds. Cool buds. Cool buds.
0: Cool buds buds is what what triggered it today. Uh, The game that we're going to be playing is Weird License Games. This is going to be another iteration of real or fake Nice. And so you're going to have to tell me if this is an actual video game that happened using this license, this weird license, (laughs) or if I made it up. Cool. And so the way that it's going to work is whichever panelist whispers Hotake into the mic first gets to answer. Gotcha. Now... We're following with the same rule that we did last time, that we hammered out last time. Because there are only two options, the stakes are extra high. If you get it wrong, the point goes to the other person. Whoa. Oh, yeah, so you better nice. think about it. I know it's a 50-50, but you better really think about it because Understood. your incorrect answer has consequences. Of course, this is also the time where we're going to get a little help in this demon dimension from our sponsors. Hmm. got some nice. sponsors to talk about today. Our first one is from the ever cool Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering. Thank you, Greg, so much for your support. Our second one is Zen Market. It's a Japanese shopping proxy service, which means that for only 300 yen per item, that's less than $3, you can buy games, anime, merch, and more directly from Japanese online stores. You can even bid in real time on Yahoo Auctions if you are looking for rare or used items. Plus, it's easy to buy things from multiple stores and consolidate them for free into one box before you ship them home. Sign up today and get a 300 yen bonus you can use toward your first purchase. It's easy to manage everything from shopping to shipping right from your account on Zen Market's website. Don't pay more than you have to for that sweet Japanese booty <laughs> and helpful staff are always waiting to guide you on your journey should you need assistance. Find Zen Market on social media or go to, or just go to zenmarket.jp and check it out for yourself. Our next sponsor is Taker34 and he's got a quiz for you. Oh, what are games called that don't have a single loot box in them?
1: Good video games. Damiani, you have an answer? Don't have a single loot box. A video game.
0: Cancelled. Oh! oh. We, played that, uh, we played that joke on the last episode as That's well. That's funny. And Kyle and Huber got a mm-hmm. uh, kick out of it. That's good. <laughs> Make sure to not follow at Taker34x on Twitter unless you're currently working on a new Legacy of Kane game. Oh, okay. Okay. Ah. Fourth sponsor is KG2Entertainment.com. Their apps are little nuggets that will challenge the H-E double hockey sticks out of you. (laughs) You thought Flappy Birds was challenging. (laughs) He was the daddy. Now meet the sons. Last but certainly not least, we have a game that we're sponsoring. Oh, Schemata is a fast-paced mobile puzzle game based on digital logic diagrams developed by Friendly Fish Games. Race through logic circuits while organically learning how they work. The game is free with ads and has a $2 option to disable them. No other microtransactions are in the game. Out now on the Google Play Store and coming soon to iOS. Find out more at game.com. Sweet. All right. Real or fake, real license schemes. Okay. Are we ready? We've got five yes. of them this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. First one. Home Improvement Power Tool Pursuit. Brad. Real. That is real. Yeah. That is Super it. Nintendo there was game, dude. There was I played it. Yep. It wow. was a Super <laughs> Nintendo game. It was an action platformer on Super Nintendo. It sucks. Based Yikes. Based on home improvement. Yeah, you're
2: like fighting dinosaurs in it. I was like, what the hell's going on it's here, man? I just want to make tools. I just want to build like a birdhouse with Al or something. Oh,
0: my gosh. Uh uh-huh. My parents love home improvement. They love my loved my, it. my dad
2: it. is Tim Allen. Uh, like, is that uh, a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing? Good because he would like show me like a power tool or something. Be like,
3: so It's super <laughs> funny.
0: <laughs> uh, the Brad lore—it's like falling into place. Everything's it's, making like slightly it's, it's more <laughs> sense. It's good, Tim Allen. Yeah, I like it. Okay, uh, so just to clarify, this is based on the movie. White Men Can't Jump Was there a video game based on the movie With Wesley Snipes and Woody Allen White Men Can't uh, Hotake, Jump
1: Otake, yes I thought it was for like Genesis
2: Yeah Correct it Sounds right, yeah
0: There is, there is like a actually a 32X
1: game or something A
0: lot of these By the way, I just want to clarify As I was doing research for this A lot of these in the description are like This is commonly referred to as one of the worst games ever made Yes uh, actually, White May Can't Jump. It came out in 1995 on the Atari Jaguar. Okay, ew. but it is a real game. No, it game. wasn't
1: Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, ew. Atari Jaguar. I knew it was a PlayStation. I was like, yeah, not Sega. that Nintendo. It's, like, it's either Sega. Seal or McK- of quality. Yeah, we should stream it. Yeah, all right. That'd be
2: pretty fun. Maybe. Send us Does Jones have a Jaguar. Yeah, but it's broken. <laughs> oh, that
0: stinks. We've got one point each for both of our contestants today. Number three, in sync. Get to the show.
2: Insane. Get to the show, dude. It sounds like a Game Boy Color game, <laughs> <laughs> like a PlayStation One game. <sighs> oh man, I don't know. What if we both don't say
0: anything? Then neither of you get a point. Uh, uh this seems pretty risky, dude. You can't. Come on. You somebody <laughs> okay, say, Hatake fake. That's real. Okay. Brett oh. was right. In sync, get to the show on Game Boy Color yeah. 2001. 2001. Uh, apparently, apparently, it's like some sort of mini game collection uh, where at the end no. you're rewarded with a performance. No. In sync. So that's, that's a thing. Fourth one, second to last. Yeah. Tommy Boy. Back on the Road. Oh
1: my gosh. Hotake? Yeah.
2: Fake.
0: That's fake. Yeah, uh. no,
2: no way, dude. I don't know about a Chris Farley game. Would uh. that be sick? Out. No.
1: Yeah, that would be sick.
2: Hobby uh. Boy Back on the Road is Can not. Can you imagine if they made like a, a black sheep again. game but, and one of the levels yes. is you just falling down the hill? Oh my god. <laughs> you gotta rack
1: up
0: points. Yeah, that'd be Chris so Farley good. Rolling down. Our final one Wild Wild West The Steel Assassin the steel assassin dude i don't
2: remember god uh you generally-
1: yeah, don't remember if there's a wild wild west game yeah i don't either and the movie is bad but it was a big deal so they probably made a game of some sort i don't know damiani uh, here i'll take
2: I'll, I'll guess damiani since you did the other one uh, i'll oh okay i'll say yes this is real
0: it is real. Oh, yeah. Nice. Came out in 1999 on PC, action oh, adventure p- game. Yeah.
2: <laughs> action adventure game. Look at wow wow. Yeah, a, I got to know if was a theme song. Today. Look at wow wow. I have knowledge about dumb video games for some reason. Good job.
0: I was really hoping somebody would say Tommy Boy Back on the Road was real. Yeah, there's only one fake one this time. The rest were all that real. Like In a... Sync, like... NSYNC, Wild Wild West, Why Can't Jump, and Home Improvement. Dude, that longer. sounds
2: like a good Carver. arcade game, maybe, too, where it's like Crazy Taxi, but Tommy <laughs> yeah, Boy. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, anyway, uh, Brad, you crushed that one. Three points to one. Mm. Because you won, you have the privilege. We can't forget. We forgot, actually, one time to have... Somebody break us out of the frame trap dimension. We can't have that happen again. So, what are you going to do? What phrase, what gesture, what action are you gonna to do to get us out one, of dude. this demon dimension? Uh
2: but watching a lot of Dragon Ball. I? I know this one yeah. is my boy Damiani too. I know one of the character he loves does this move, dude. So I'm gonna do it too. Stand up. I've been charging for five minutes, Damiani.
3: <laughs> Special
0: beam cannon Damiani. That was very good, Brad. Damiani, is Piccolo your favorite character? Because that would, that, like, I would love it if that was true.
1: So Piccolo is awesome. Yes. In OG Dragon Ball. Yes. And through the first arc, uh, the Raditz saga arc, whatever, but Saiyan arc. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, stretches beyond Piccolo, it's long problem like long list of problems starting to have a dragon ball z yeah the repetitive formulaic nature of like every single like arc now and just getting ridiculous uh piccolo's serving this purpose in that formula and i'm not liking what they're doing with his character so much in dragon ball z there's sure. some parts i like um so but yeah and it's, like i i like i probably say he is my favorite character in the show Nice. I hope they continue to further develop him. I know uh, as far as deep down I don't believe he's ever going to be like the strongest or anything like that. He's going to be like always going to be like the tier below now Vegeta and Goku is going to be like Vegeta mm-hmm. Goku and it'll be, always be Piccolo like right behind them. He
0: falls into this like Hey, we want you around, like, come to the fight, but you're not nearly yeah. as useful and you're not going to be nearly as useful Yeah, but, as like, he's but, always
1: in the mix, man. But, oh, absolutely. I love Piccolo. OG Dragon Ball, so good. Yeah. Like, loved his character arc. And then how he's, like, warming up and becoming, like, part of the good guy team. Yeah. oh my and god. And everything he does with Gohan. Like, that is, like, the only redeeming thing I Him like about training that. training Gohan. Is, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Amazing. one of my favorite
2: yeah. things about Piccolo. could be my, his, his relationship with Gohan. How he's kind of like Gohan's second dad, man, and Gohan like wears the the Namekian outfit and everything like that, dude. I don't know how far
1: you are, but dude, it's so good. Yeah, like Gohan emulates him. It's yeah, so good. It's like it's so ooh, cool. I, forget, I think it's like yeah. I forget who says it. It was like wow, you really look up to him because you're literally wearing the same outfit as Piccolo. Yeah, yeah. I, of your dad. Pads I think in, we're yeah, I so think we're cool. getting to
0: a point on Frame Trap where you can just like expect a mini like little editorial on Dragon Ball, like with every episode with every panel. <laughs>
1: With almost it's, a, every it's a constant thing in our life. It I is. feel like.
0: well, it's a very, it's a very intent thing in our lives right now. Also, it's hilarious like.
1: that like I don't know ninety percent of the English terms for any of the moves and stuff. Mm, like, yeah, everything yeah. to me is like in Japanese. Like when I was trying, people were like, oh, how do you like Dragon Ball and stuff on the stream? And I was explaining it, so I was like, uh, oh, I like this, and I was like, what's it called in English? I was like, I was like, I, I mean, I know. The, the genki dama is the spirit bomb i was mm-hmm. like but i know i was like i don't you say spirit bomb especially after <laughs> i read the the kind of etymology behind it like spirit bomb is actually incredibly wrong <laughs> for the intent of what the move is hmm. uh but for the purpose of english it's just like very memorable term so yeah it's, it's fine but yeah just like even like i don't call it nimbus the cloud like i was like People say that I'm like what? Kinto. Kinto. Kinto yeah. Oh, I love that,
2: dude. It's so good.
1: But uh, yeah, some of the other stuff is just like, uh I see it in English. Like, wait, what's that again?
2: Yeah, dude. My favorite move is Vegeta's Big Bang Attack. I forgot what it's called in Japanese. It's the best move, dude. Where he does the one handed shot.
1: Oh yeah. Oh Love it. They got some good good terms in there. Like uh what's uh Gohan's is Masako or whatever. Masenko. Yeah, Masenko, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, good. <sighs> yeah, like, I don't call him Krillin. Korean, Krillin! However they say it, yeah.
0: Uh I mentioned this on the Weekly Hunt stream, but there is, there's a moment, they're getting ready for a tournament, tournament, and the the bit that happens with Android and Goku and Krillin <coughs> as they're getting ready for the tournament in Super has been top-notch. <laughs> Not, there's, I've had many disappointments with Dragon Ball Super, but... There there are times when it hits, and when it hits, it hits hard, and I like that a lot. Nice. Uh, Damiani, coming back to games here. You sometimes like Kyle will say something, I'm like, I don't even know what that game is. Uh, but I very much know what this game is. I just have no idea why you're playing it. Uh, (laughs) Final Fantasy XI. Not that like I'm mad that you're playing it. I'm just I just don't know why.
1: I just don't know why. Yeah, it's not that. I love that that you present. Because in my mind I was visualizing as like Ben doesn't know what Final Fantasy XI is. Kyle said, "There's this game called Final Fantasy XI," and Ben's like, "What? No, no, that no. Did, no. I know, yeah. but like, it's just fun. It's like imagining Ben like, yo, this there's there's Final a, Fantasy XI, this Final Fantasy game, there's there's a game this time. like <laughs> a long lost <long>, <laughs> Final Fantasy I game.' They went from ten to twelve. Yeah. No, no, what was no, this?
0: I've, I've played nah, a, a good chunk of Final Fantasy XI, um, and enjoyed it. Uh, and have revisited se- it revisited several times since its heyday, but you're playing it right now. You told me before the, the podcast that you played it for eight hours. Yep. What? Why? What,
2: what happened? Hold on. What nation did you start at?
1: Uh, uh Sandoria. Hell yeah. That's where yeah. I started, too. Can't start anywhere else. I just can't. It doesn't work. jolly It no, you know, doesn't forced. work like... What? No, no, no. Mass what's...
0: Talk? It was no, we stuck no, no. in Windurst, and Windus.
1: then winders is my favorite. Yeah, you can't start in Juno, but yeah, yeah. You know, yeah is later my
2: on. Yeah. That's the yeah. Juno,
1: yeah, dude.
0: But Sindoria, you're starting in Sindoria. Yes. How did this come about? What okay. what motivated
1: you? So here's the story <laughs> that I was saving for this. Playing, so picking up 14 again a little bit, and I was just like, I was watching, I was on the 14 subreddit, and I was reading a bunch of stuff. And I decided to finally click on this. Uh, I forget their YouTube channel. I apologize. Uh, they did uh, a documentary on the history of Final Fantasy XIV before the NoClip one. Oh, mm. uh, like No Clip one happened like r- like shortly after theirs, and they went on to start doing a series called like Remnants of a Realm, where they go back to the 1.0 zones through shady means. Well, to say that, you know, the game 1.0 mm-hmm. is no longer available, so they're still <laughs> getting footage of going through the zones that, you know, from the original version. They're showing what uh, defunct zones that didn't carry over after the Calamity, because there's an RP reason for why Final Fantasy 14 went from 1.0 oh, to 2.0. Yeah, the 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 Calamity was Bahamut unleashing his fury, dalmud the moon crashing, blah, blah, blah. A lot of the land got ravaged, and so zones got completely destroyed, that were in 1.0 uh, and are no longer in 2.0, or zones that are still in 2.0 and the Realm Reborn and onward got dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. And that's what the series is about, is how those zone, how the zones change and features that... They do a cool thing on the sidebar about features of... uh This is still here. You can still see it if you go here. It was in 1.0 onward, hmm. or it's gone. It's defunct. like it, it got destroyed, so you cannot see it anymore. Anyway, I was watching this series. I was like, man... I would really like to go back, because uh, I reviewed Final Fantasy 1.0 uh, back at Game Trailers. I remember that review, dummy. Uh, uh, it will, was an experience. I will never forget
2: this part in your review you're talking about like the pitter-patter characters make when running.
1: Pitter-patter.
0: It doesn't happen very often, once in a very great while, but if you can find it, I recommend, and it's not that hard to find, go on YouTube, find the 1.0 Final Fantasy 14 review, because in the script, you can hear the reviewer's soul being crushed, where it's like, you can't even help... How just like utterly destroyed you are that this thing exists. It is just like I mean, you can like I, you can I, I, sense I had no anger. interest
1: in playing it, honestly. Like yeah. it was just a side to me to review. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, I'm not really into MMOs, so here we go. And I played it, I was like, I think this is really bad. Can some can some <laughs> of you guys come over here and like just double check this? Like, this is really bad, right? And they're like they're like, yo, like people ask so they don't have this, no? They don't have they don't have an, they don't have any kind of like market board. You got to go talk to all the different NPC mules in a large room. You can't even search for an item from them. You got to manually talk with them and then manually view their wares. What post wow error? What? You teleport currency runs out and it takes the how long to regenerate? You, uh, like the zones are copy pasta designed. Like the Black Shroud back in the day was like this infamous notorious maze, easy to get lost because it was like the same like three different, like, types of, like, turns copied over and over again, you'd zoom out on the map and it was just, like, the stuff of nightmares in terms of those, like, impossible mazes. Anyway, yes, I reviewed 1.0, and now having played through 14 and stuff and then watching the series, it just triggered this thought in my head, like, I'd kind of like to go back and revisit 1.0 now with a different perspective. Having seen what 14 has done now, I'd like to see, you know how I feel about 1.0 again. Mm-hmm. Like, has, has anything about it? My mind changed because all I can go on is just my memories of it because you can't play it anymore. So i started searching on the internet to find if there's any like unofficial legacy server projects. Cause you know, those are always going around. Uh, there was one that was, there is one being worked on still, but there was one you could technically access that I think shut down a year or two ago. And so there isn't one you can like just really get into unless you have, a lot of technical expertise in running your own servers, essentially, and setting Shit. up servers and stuff. And I was like, I don't want that. I just want to be able to log in and, like, go. <laughs> I didn't do anything. That's still a while away. So there was no option. So I'm like, damn, I can't play Final Fantasy 14 1.0 right now. It kind of stinks. Wow's getting a legacy server uh, eventually. Uh, <laughs> did it happen? or No. Okay. I know there's some controversy over it, but a lot of people are like, Square Enix will probably never endorse or support an official legacy 14 server they want you to forget because they want you to forget because yeah, to them yeah, yeah. it was a shame as i was as I put i was like i don't know maybe if the community is vocal enough in down the line they can give them the confidence like hey we want to try it again like it's okay you did such a great job after the fact don't worry about it anyway i was like dang what do i do now what do i play oh yeah there's final fantasy 11 and then everyone loves to say 14 1.0 was just basically a continuation of eleven, but worse. <laughs> so eleven should be better because everyone said, "Oh, well, even eleven was better than one I was like, "I played eleven when it first came out uh, in North America on PC. I played it on and off, not very seriously, and I remember having okay time with it, but it was confusing as hell. Oh yeah, very, very old school MMO where nothing was streamlined. Very. So, but yeah. I'd heard eleven had been like t- <clears throat> tweaked a lot to be more user friendly." I tried to get back into it like two, and a half, two and a half years ago or three years ago, and I gave up almost immediately. Like it was such a problem to set up again, hmm. like the account and everything, like play online. The play online yeah. Back, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, I got in finally, and oh then I couldn't God. use a controller, or the controller settings were all wonky. I was like, oh, I gotta do mouse and keyboard, don't I? Or else it's gonna be this gimped controller setup at the time and. Everything was still pretty cryptic, despite them saying they'd added stuff. So I was just like, I, I walked around a few zones for nostalgia's sake. I was like, all right, bye. So this time, here we go. I'm like, I'm gonna do this right. Google, like essential add-ons and plugins for Final Fantasy Eleven. and it directed me to a single program, a window or program, and it has everything automated. It's beautiful. So nice. Added like there was even one that made some of this stuff look like Final Fantasy 14. Like it displayed my HP, MP, and TP mm. just the same way as it does basically the Final Fantasy 13 uh, yeah, UI elements. Uh, good, like configured the controller perfectly. I uh, had a mini map now, like all these extra things. I could see buffs and debuff timers. I was like, oh, basically streamlining it even further on top of what 11 it did. I'm like, let's do this, let's go. Got okay. it all set up, start streaming it. I'm a little lost again. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go again. I have no idea. There's no quest markers or anything. Yep. This, I'm in Sandoria walking around. Oh, I was like, don't. I'm going to have to go talk to every NPC, right? Then I was, I'm streaming this, and jolly people come and chat, and they're like, hey, why are you streaming Final Fantasy XI? Uh, I explained why, what I just did. Like, oh, cool. Well, here, uh, uh, let me give you some guides and stuff. And Hey, why don't you go over here and do this? And Why don't you do that? They showed me how to get – so partying in Final Fantasy XI was, like, the most notorious thing back in the day Try, because you cannot you can only level up to a certain level around, like, 10, 10 11-ish, yeah. and then you really needed to team up with other people yeah. to take down mobs. The further along you got in that pro- that process, the harder it got to find a party. And, and on top of that, it wasn't just, like – it was hard to find people just to play with because you had to communicate with them because the social functions were just literally shouting and typing. There were no party finders, there are no duty finders, there's nothing like that. There none of that stuff existed.
0: Pretty much every time I played 11, right at that point you're talking about is where I eventually trailed off for so many reasons, like I didn't the It was exciting that you needed to rely on people so much, but, like, the anxiety of not knowing everything or letting somebody down or just the sheer amount of time it took to get to what you wanted to do. (laughs) I just remember every single time, like, I was like, oh, man, Final Fantasy XI. There are so many things I like about this. And then I just immediately dropped off.
1: And I think... To echo that, essentially in the early days, that was not—it wasn't just essential to communicate to make parties, but to figure out anything in that oh, game. Yeah. Like that was it. Uh, apparently, someone in chat was telling me the story that a lot of the objectives in some of the main quest uh, were so cryptic and weird that no one would figure them out. That, like, eventually, apparently, stories that Japanese GMs started telling some of the Japanese players hints. To help them along, like oh, you could do this, and they would publish them, and they eventually get into English. And English players like oh, that's how you do that in the very early days. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, that so that's one of the aspects is forming a party. And the further you got, you could be waiting for hours, even if you were like very social, just to find the right party. Uh, this guy introduced a while ago. There are things called trusts. They're basically AI-controlled NPC uh, party yeah. members. And you can just, like, summon up to, like, initially you can summon up to three to join you and form a full party of four. You just blaze through stuff. I didn't
0: know that this you, was a thing in five. You C-S1. just,
1: like, wreck everything. Like, I got to, in that eight hours' time, I was, like, level 15. I was, like, that took, like, a week. Or several days back in, like, that's I'm almost close to getting my sub job already. I was like, oh, whoa. Like, enemies in the deep parts of, like, of, of, of uh, Ronfar. Ronf- the forest, yeah. Yeah, the forest Ronfair, area. Ronfar, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh And then Lethine Plateau afterwards. Dude, I was yeah. wrecking stuff. Did you get to the dunes? Uh, I didn't mean to go that far. I oh, was Because okay. I was actually doing real quests. Oh. Uh, the only time I went into a really hard area of uh, o- 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 Ordell Caves Which is like the first real serious like uh, city state quest. It was the only time I had any difficulty with mobs because they were like way too high level for me at one point. I should have been in there at that. uh, Where is going anyway? That facilitates the progress so much in the game in terms of leveling. I want to uh, before I forget this. I want to say this one point because it is a vast difference between fourteen. I even say WoW current WoW uh, versus older MMOs. Eleven. I can see why people have these very fond memories and kind of a desire to have another 11 type MMO again. It is such a, it focuses so much on nonlinear progression. Hmm. Like there, even though there are story quests, it's not necessarily like you complete them to earn experience. Like you go kill mobs to earn experience in this game. So you have the option to go out and grind and level up. You can do side quests by talking to NPCs, but the, there's no real, like, continuity. It doesn't, like, you complete that quest. Oh, now it unlocks another quest. Like, so many of the modern MMOs, like 14 and WoW, you complete this quest, another quest marker will appear. That doesn't really happen here. You you have to go to certain NPCs and kind of, like, interact with them. And one of them might have a quest for you. And it, it's going to end, usually. And then there's, like, there's this different kind of, like, bins of objectives to do and you just kind of go back and forth between them and go at your own pace essentially and i think th- that's what some people are yearning for is just that not everything is spoon fed to you yeah. in terms of progression the caveat is that those there's so many damn layers in 11 that are so cryptic and just difficult to understand like every even the helpful people in chat were basically saying you need to have I have like 10 tabs of the Final Fantasy 11 wiki open at any time when I'm playing this game I'm like no that's not like that's not good I was like I was arguing with them. I said that isn't great and back then you didn't have wikipedia you didn't have reddits you didn't have discord so you had a message board and maybe some like IRC chat or something I was like you're not this stuff was like cryptic as hell, yeah. And I would argue you might some people might find that like enjoyable. That you got to be like honest and real in 2018. That's frustrating. Like you cannot make a mainstream game like that level. I mean, eleven and they don't. Yeah, eleven has as many players as it does now. I mean, it's old, but they tried doing it with fourteen 1.0, and that was the result. You, you got this. I mean, had other other large problems that. But I think maybe there's a happy medium to be found there, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. Sure. In terms of, like, not having a main story quest line that you just, like, that's the progression. You're going to reach the end game by beating that, beating a story, and then you go into, like, raid bosses and stuff like that. Like it was funny because people were like, oh, what's the raid bosses game? And some, play, like some people chat who are veterans are like, there really aren't raid bosses so much as really tough enemies that you can go and farm. They appear every on different, like, like – you know, timers and stuff like the notorious monsters. It, it was just a different beast and it was such playing through it. It was just so different to go back to that game. The pacing of it. I mean, it's very slow. Oh my God. The combat system. So slow, dude. It, that's what it shares Ugh. most in common with 14, 1.0 and 11 is the pace of battles. Super slow menu driven, like going through menus. You can the macro stuff as well, but it is very old fashioned and very slow. I mean, having all those NPCs like speeds it up, obviously, but yeah. But there's something about exploring those zones again, like they're very wide open. Like taking it at a slower pace, I kind of appreciated that. I I, I, like basically there are elements from 11 and elements from 14. I'd like to see merge together, perfect, and it would be nice. And uh, yeah, you just don't see anything like that anymore because the time has just moved on.
0: I have a question for you, and my my biggest regret always with Eleven is I, I played enough Eleven to get attached to certain things. Like I, I think the music in Eleven is oh, very, yeah. very, yes. yeah, very good. Oh yeah. Um, and just certain designs of the characters and towns I really liked. Uh, but I always heard and I was so impressed and I think the the biggest reason like why I would keep returning to Eleven is I love the idea of the like at the time I initially played it. I love the idea of an MMO of of getting together and having a world that was actually alive and in in there even if you weren't like that was like sci-fi novel exciting to me. But I was always disappointed at how poorly the story was implemented. And uh, even with with Wow, like I was very frustrated that so much of the story was told through these quest logs and it just wasn't very engaging. I was blown away at like the cutscenes in Final Fantasy X. That was exactly Mm -hmm. what I was looking for. And the agony was amplified when I would hear from people I would see on the internet regularly that are like, Oh man, like this, this storyline and this expansion is really good. Like there's awesome stuff here with this game. And I felt like I never got to appreciate that story. And I was missing out on potentially a, a great final fantasy story that I just didn't experience with what you were playing Did the story grab you and how did it compare to the storytelling of 14?
1: So that is still a gripe I had with it. And I I was trying to vocalize it with the chat with some of the veterans is that, uh, to be fair, some of the like quest storyline stuff I had seen multiple times already. So I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. They had had some new cutscenes in there. Uh, I, I forget the character's name. They appear in event. They appear in the Final Fantasy XI crossover event with fourteen, and you get their outfit. Uh, it's this female samurai, I believe. The taru taru? No, something? the, 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 the human. Oh, okay. Uh, they're very important though to the storyline. I know that much about it because there's a little bit of a recap in the fourteen one. Uh, it starts off with that at a certain point, like they're they're in front of just giant crystal, and they walk away, and they have a line of dialogue. They're there were these like I think they might have been new. There's some. They're called like a uh, like something Rhapsodies of uh, Vanadiel or something is what they are. They used these, these new quests or missions that help develop the story of the world of, of mm-hmm. Um I wanted more to experience more of that. And It might have been part of my own fault for not following those those quests specifically to keep that story going. And the same thing I was saying, I kind of like the the open progression of it was also kind of like the undoing of why I was frustrated with the the my level of satisfaction uh, I was not feeling a, a good level of satisfaction with the narrative elements of what I played through the eight hours I, I still felt that I was mostly relying on what I already knew and nostalgia to carry me through like I remember this I remember what's going on yeah that was cool but I was like yeah but what's the story actually again like what why was I doing this I was like someone sent me here <laughs> it was a quest. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's and there's a story, but it's mostly still done through text exchange and that text bubble box down at the bottom. And I, I was like, I, I felt like there could be a little bit more of a guiding hand there and towards in terms of pushing you towards the the more story driven quests. Sure. Like I think Eleven could benefit from an actual main scenario uh, line, which I believe they do have. Like I'm sure people are screaming at me, like that's what the Rhapsies or whatever the the remnants of there's all these new terms and stuff. I'm sorry, I'm getting it all wrong. It was this is so overwhelming, but there are specific quest lines you can now go track in, to an extent, and I think they fulfill the story. I just don't think the game pushes you towards them enough. Hmm. I had to be told in chat, go here to start this, go on a wiki to look this up. As I was saying earlier, but, I'm like, why is there nothing in the game? Like an MP, like there are parts of the game where an NPC was, their dialogue made sense that I need to go over here now and I'm going to get another part of a quest. Then sometimes I would completely drop the ball and I was like, where do I, what do I do now? Like, is there another quest line? Is there more story payoff? It's just inconsistent.
0: I'm with you, and I, I I get the frustration that you're trying to express. I think the conundrum comes in where you're talking about like the biggest one of the biggest joys of Final Fantasy XI is this nonlinear progression and how you aren't on this track the whole time. Uh, but you also want a little bit more of a guiding hand. And so how do you kind of fuse those two yeah. ideas? Well, it
1: comes from like it comes from 14 though, because you asked sure. that was another thing you asked me about. Yeah. Is that 14 definitely has a very focused a very specific purpose and a goal to achieve with its main story quest fun, yeah. they are literally called main scenario quest mm-hmm. and they are required to progress you have to complete them in order to progress to certain parts and even areas of the game those are the initial gate walls until you get to end game stuff mm-hmm. whereas in 11 it's just your level you literally can go to almost i think most anywhere uh, in the original world, mm-hmm. and just depending if you survive the mobs. Whereas in fourteen, that's not entirely true. It's like some areas are gated off until you've done enough of the story quests. Like entire zones will be locked out from you until you've done certain stuff.
0: So, do you want you to be able to go anywhere, but just stronger pointers in certain directions?
1: I I, I would like there. I, basically, in the context of eleven, I wish there was in game. Signals, whether it's quest flags or whatever, that says if you would like to focus on a main scenario, there is one in this game, follow these quest lines. Mm. However, if you want to get the most out of this game, experience the world, like see more, and not just like rush through the like, to the end, we encourage you to go out and do these other things, but there's less guidance with those. You're going to have to like figure things out on your own. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to interact with people. But should you ever get like frustrated with that, I, I I feel like that's what they should have done. Is like there's a point where everyone's gonna break probably on that, and they're gonna want to come back to something familiar, something where they're gonna get a, a sense of immediate reward, sense mm-hmm. of like, like fixed like a a, a a certain certainty in terms of progress, and now it should have been the main scenario. I think that yes, they could have had a little bit more of a guiding hand saying. If you, like, just reminders. Just reminders sure. saying, hey, you could go back to this now if you want to. If you're not having a good time with this.
0: So, after this, this intense... Chat helpful eight hours of Final Fantasy Eleven and what you experienced. Do you feel satisfied with this revisit? Do you want to play more? Like, where? What's your current feeling? So, like, on Final I Fantasy got. XI?
1: So it ended on a, a bit of a sour note. <laughs> that stinks. Okay. Um. So I was doing uh the training drill, co- uh, mission. Uh, it's the one you got to do to rank to get the next rank in Sandoria. I I originally completed it with a group of twenty people back when the game was new. And That was pretty close to like the end of where I was playing. I did that. I went to two other zones after that, and I quit playing after that originally. So I tried to do it with uh, my AI party members, and it was a nice quest line. Like the the, the soldiers and the were they're telling me, "Hey, there's a problem going on. Go down here. All right, go down there and investigate." Oh, one of our members fell down. We gotta like in the caves. We gotta find them. I get into the caves, and it falls apart there. Just no more direction. The NBC I go talk to is like, I don't have time to chat with you. Get out of here. And I'm like, okay. So uh, I go down a different. I go down these different directions, and they're okay. They're moderately tough enemies. I'm like, okay. I'm just gonna keep killing them. Eventually, I'll come across something that might be the objective. Yeah. And that's when I ended up in areas with too high level enemy enemies that wrecked me. And I kept asking chat, like, hey, what am I supposed to do? Like, why did it drop the ball here? Like just a line of text giving me a hint would have been enough. And they're like, go read the wiki. And I kind of <laughs> I kind of snapped at that point because I had just lectured chat about like, that's nice that all that information is gathered now. But I was like, I really am, like, is there a way to do this without looking at the wiki? Like people had to figure out. That's what they dropped the, oh, the GMs used to have to tell you because it was that cryptic. I'm like, but it's 2018. Haven't they fixed this game and like kind of like streamlined it a bit? This seems like an oversight. This is so early in the game. Why is this one so difficult? Like, to figure out what to do still. Like, I was like, do you not see what my problem, like, the problem here that, yeah, w- what's up? And they were just like, content to let me kind of meander. Like, if you're not going to read the wiki, then have fun making it harder on yourself. And I'm like, okay. And I died twice and I had to like warp back. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to call it here. Like, I'm getting pretty tired in general. I was also getting like tired. So I'm like, maybe I should stop. Like, this is eight hours. Come on. Like, right. maybe I need to take a break and come back. But to answer you, my objective is I want to get past that. I'm definitely going to – I'll either just look up what to do and just, like, you know, compromise on that. So what's the end goal? I want to get to zones I never saw before. Okay. I, I like want to see the game. I, I'd like to see the end of the story. That might be too long of a time investment sure. for how busy I am. But my primary goal is to get to zones I never saw before in person, mm-hmm. like in game, not through trailers and videos. I just want to see that because yeah. I love – what uh, what I have seen in the world when I originally played, and now being remi- like seeing it again, I still love it. It's like, yeah, I want to see the rest of the world of, of deal here. This kind of stinks, like sure. that I never saw all of it. Cool. So yeah, Brad,
0: did any of that make you want to revisit Uh
2: I'm, like, in the boat with Damiani, where I just want to see stuff I hadn't seen before. Sure. I think I would be good after eight hours. Yeah. Because, like, when you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember a lot of those good times. And I'm like, oh, yeah, a lot of that sucks now. Yep. Like, it would not be as... Like, it was cool when I played it, because this was my first MMO ever. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of going through the game and figuring... It's like, when you're talking about a story, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I don't remember there being a story. Like, I don't remember uh, any of this. It's
0: interesting... I don't know what like a better term for it, but like genre forgiveness Yeah. where I I remember my early days in EverQuest and I remember my early days with like Final Fantasy 11 and, and wow as well where like something would really frustrate me and I'd be like, well, is still kind of crazy that I'm playing with hundreds of or thousands of people at the same time, and I'm like, it's probably just a <laughs> yeah. shitty thing that yeah, needs I was, to happen to make I this was work. totally
2: in that honeymoon phase that I was playing too. Yes, like, I exactly. was just like blown yeah. away I was playing a game with people online yep. somewhere. Yeah.
0: And I think I catch myself sometimes when I'm playing VR as well, where I'm like, this is weird, but whoa, I'm in VR. Yeah, you, know, still you, really you do cool, you have that, you know. that honeymoon phase, indeed. Uh, Brad. Talk to me about a game that you were intimately familiar with. Oh, that yeah. just
2: got maybe. a huge Shadow remake. Colossus, maybe, in yeah. a remake. Damiani. very f- fluent with this game also, dude.
0: Yeah, what I like is, Brad, you uh, aired some grievances with the Secret of Mono remake, but you are lighting up. You're smiling I when think, we're talking about Shadow I Colossus. I think because, to me,
2: here? Shadow Colossus is just a better game for what I look for in a video game. Mm-hmm. What is that? What are you looking for? I wasn't as frustrated at moments in this game, like, with just, like, like I said, a secret of was just got a lot of little nitpicks here and there, but it was just a lot of them building up. Mm-hmm. Shadow of Claws I have, like, just a few complaints with, like, the camera sometimes a little wonky. When I was playing it, when I first started playing it again, I was like, oh, man, I was, I was holding on to that guy. That's BS, kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. But as I played it more and more and more, I started to get into this, like, kind of groove where everything was... Clicking perfectly, everything everything's working how I wanted it to. Sure. And I was uh, like, I think this game just has a kind of a steep learning curve.
0: Yeah, and that is a complaint that you hear lobbied at Shadow of the Colossus a yeah. lot, is oh, that yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel very good. Right. Um and that's that is not something that the remake in my experience with it, like mm-hmm. it doesn't it still feels it's like Shadow super, of the Colossus. Yeah, it still feels like though. a
2: lot to the game. And you think that's okay? I think it's okay because I think it's one of my favorite games of all time though, that's mm-hmm. why. Like the original Shadow of the Colossus is one of my top games ever. And this is just like, here's this game I love, but just looks really great. I'm like, yes, this is good. I, I, I wish they did maybe a little more. Like, I can't help but wondering, like maybe like a, a couple extra Colossi or something, something a little different to differentiate it. But I know, because I, this might be selfish to me when I think of RE remake. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's like the best remake of all time to sure. me. Yeah, because it took this We've thing. We've said that before. Yeah, and it's like because uh, Mikami got a second crack at it, you know, kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think u had really worked on this game at all. They just kind of took this game that yeah, was he, there.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case with that one. Is yeah. that they couldn't go cross they, yeah, they like, too far into adding new content. Exactly. Hmm. They added one as far as we know, one big secret—the yeah. the extra Dorman blade hidden underneath the main shrine of worship—which mm-hmm. is cool. Like the the yeah. Well, some people actually don't like that. I'm actually curious. I don't know if you've even tried um, to do it yet. Oh, you need the coins. The 79 right? collectible coins that are brand new. Yeah. New collectibles added to this game that weren't in the original. There's some people who are like, why are they adding new collectibles to this game? The, like some people just took offense to the concept of adding even just that. Yeah, that doesn't see, bug me at all. Seems pretty
0: inoffensive to me because it's so easy to ignore.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ben, I didn't even see a coin until like the second, my second run through this right. game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but with with the remake specifically, let's let's go back and talk about Shadow of Colossus. Originally, you said this is one of your favorite games mm-hmm. of all time. Why does it hold such a high place in your heart? Because uh,
2: like, it does. It doesn't. It does its own thing. I would say like that. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that there's no other enemies in this game except the Colossus. This mm-hmm. game essentially just bosses the entire game and I love it. It's just like a big, open, barren world that I really love just exploring. I it, I totally get why people like don't like this though, about the kind of game. Like, yeah, they may not like that world. There's maybe not something for you to do in it. I just really love the journey of going through the whole world and getting to each these Colossus, which feel like when I first played the game on PS2, it was like, I'd never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. When you see, like, these huge things, it was crazy. Like, there was nothing like that kind of thing now, but we're in 2018 now, but I'm still getting this feeling of, like, this is really awesome and insane, the scope that's going on in this game. Right.
0: Uh, You talked about the focus, how you really loved that the colossi are the only things that you encounter, Mm -hmm. and when you compare enemy encounters to Shadow of the Colossus, almost anything else, not everything, but almost Mm -hmm. anything else, like, when I think about enemies in other games, it's like, they die they either die so quickly or just have like one thing that they do it's like here's the heavily armored enemy that you have to do an extra trick to get rid of here's the enemy that shoots a thing that blows up into different colors. like there's they're they're very uh-huh. narrowly defined by like utility what i like about shadow of the colossus is when you encounter something it's like here is how it, like, moves across this place. Here's when you're on this specific part of its body, how it will react to mm-hmm. you. Like, they're just so multifaceted and interesting. And the reason they are is because the game doesn't include anything else. Like, they can just focus, focus on and that, add yeah. a lot to that specific creature that you're fighting and feels like a big deal at the time. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah, like... I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I know some people get upset about the sparseness of the world of of, of the Colossus. Yeah, that there's nothing to do except fight the Colossi, and um, you know what? But
0: That's it's supposed w- to be a sparse world. But uh, there's, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, an, there's it's, a lore reason
1: why know, it's yeah, like that. It's, yeah. it's a lore reason. It's an artistic thing as well. You could argue, mm-hmm. but I would say to those people, some of the things that do what they do best are because they focus on w- small, small amount of things, or mm-hmm. they focus on one specialty um analogy like sorry we're going to food here mm-hmm. some of the best food places don't have like I'm these ridiculous things. menus with like hundreds of items they'll usually have like just one type of thing and a few variations of it like chicken here's three chickens burgers here's like three different types of burgers or it's a taco place it's just tacos they don't go crazy and start throwing all these other stuff in to me that's shout the colossus it's so good because they knew they out to do one specific thing and that's they didn't, they weren't deterred by anything else, and everything you just said, Ben, about like the, the design of the closet like, that's it. Like, they had to come up with these creative, ridiculous ways to make them feel the sense of awe and wonder each time you met a new one not just in their appearance, but their environment, how they move across it, how they react like, they're the, just their mannerisms and stuff. They're all different enough, mm-hmm. and. That had to take a lot of, like, planning and design and, like, brainstorming meetings and, like, going back and forth. I mean, we all uh, most people should know the story that there are way more that they plan to put in there. And just, like, the fact that they cut so many and that's all they were working on shows the level of complexity at the time when it first came out with that enemy AI, like, going to that degree. Like, it was was, unseen, unheard of.
2: It was even more complex in its development. I think it was supposed to be co-op originally, like, three people taken on Colossus and they just kind of like on ps2 like that was, there was a that's like there was a prototype video yeah of that. so like if that's what was an idea that's like super ambitious yeah. for the time to try to even think of something like that Co-op Brad, Shadow.
0: uh we, we've talked about damiani i really like it. the the sense of awe and wonder that these colossi bring we talked about the sparseness of the world how does the remake if the remake does how does the remake enhance that for you what makes this well, remake do an effective job of capturing like, that
2: spirit when I look back at Shadow of the Colossus, especially on PS2 thing, doesn't look very good. Like, it looks pretty... I, I was surprised. I was like, whoa. It looked better in my mind from what I remember. Mm. Like, when I'm just seeing, like, the world and everything like that. It just looks so much more rich. Like, me and Dami always talk about this part, the the Zelda force we always want in a Zelda game. There's just some really sick, thick force that we just want in a Zelda game so bad mm-hmm. that they couldn't uh, get across on the PS2 just because of the limitations. Do you, do you feel
0: like... Here. Because sometimes you hear people say when they come out with a remake, oh, this is like how I remember it in my mind. Uh, Is there that sense with Shadow of the Colossus or does it go further beyond? It's just like,
2: it's further beyond for me. Just Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, whoa, this looks so much bigger than I remember. It helps because I'm playing in 4K. So I'm like, dude, this Mm -hmm. looks awesome as I'm going through this game.
1: It's definitely a reimagined world. Yeah, It, It basically... It adds a lot, in my opinion, it adds a lot more personality to each of the different regions. Yeah, they feel more distinct now. And I, I know some people take, a, a not offense, but some, some people don't agree with the the stylistic change that they do by bringing the more real, the, the a greater sense of realism because of Bluepoint's efforts to the the to make the world more like like lush with life you mm-hmm. know all the flora and fauna and stuff going around like the dense forest we we're just talking about they like the more minimalistic approach sure the, the original game i think both are you have both and they're both great for yeah. what they do yeah, yeah. you have the original version and you can always go back to that and see that world this is what i want this is everything i wanted out of a remake because it went above and beyond in terms of like taking that world and just Amping it up to, like, a 100. It was like, holy crap. Like, going over that bridge to go to the second Colossus was like, eh, there's some water down there. It's a lake. Now it's, like, these, like, waterfalls and rapids. I was like, what the hell? I was like, dang, they went all out. And, mm. yeah, this is the first time through the forest, the light rays coming. Kind of, I was like, oh, Okay. I was like, this is, this is phenomenal. I was like, we were joking the whole time. Like, it's like Uncharted. like Uncharted, baby. Yeah, Uncharted yeah, right Yeah, here. it's like, balls in yeah. your court, Uncharted. Where's, yeah. what, what are you going to do about this? It looked really uh, yeah. good. Yeah.
2: Uh, I've been doing a lot of playthroughs, and I did all the time attacks, mm-hmm. and I was just having so much fun playing through these guys over and over again, getting the time attacks, unlocking the cool weapons you get. You get the the sword from uh, Eco, the Queen's Blade, that can, like, one-shot Colossae.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Just having a blast
0: doing all that stuff. Man, love that game. Having a good time. Yeah, I'm having a good time, man. Nice. Uh, There's a game that I want to talk about, and I feel like I'm going through Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door treatment with it, where You're not just only... You're like, whoa! Yeah, exactly. Where nice. it's like, not only there's like, oh, I really like this, and bummer, it's a shame that I missed it, where it's like, oh, I missed this... And it's amazing, but like, it's like it's really you're still good. experiencing it. You're still getting to yeah. it. I'm still experiencing. I just feel like a, a certain level of like, oh, why didn't I get to this sooner? Uh, I am playing through, and I'm at the very end. Like the very end, will probably finish two nights as I'm waiting for this thing to export and upload. Uh, Ori and the Blind Force. Oh, nice! Yeah, I'm at I'm at the very end of it, and it is. It is a game that is way more than the sum of its parts, where I think you can break it down and you can be like, hey, here is this absolutely gorgeous, lush with color, immaculately detailed world, like... Just watching it in motion, the amount of detail that they put in any given environment, uh, the way that the colors blend together, the way that uh, you'll be in one area and it's just like a wash in like this nice soft blue glow, and then you go to another area and it's like this harsh orange, like, and they'll do things with the background and the foreground where you'll have kind of enemies scurrying about, and it just really creates a good sense of liveliness to it. Uh but you really have to sit down and, and play it and see it happen in motion mm-hmm. to really get the full sense mm. of it. Um, it is, you know, kind of a, a Metroidvania. You are uncovering parts of a map. You can uh, yeah. get more health modules, and you're getting experience. You can level up and put it into skills. But it's how all of those elements blend together that makes for a really remarkable experience. And the way that it's just like perfectly kind of spread out. Uh, because it is a game that is really hard. Uh, I think harder than I was expecting, harder than I remember the conversation being about it. Uh, because you, so many things will kill you like instantly, especially early on, or uh, you'll be, it will ask you to do a lot. Uh, like you, you'll get this like glider. Basically, think of, uh, like, the leaf from Wind Waker or the Mm -hmm. glider in Breath of the Wild where you'll have to navigate through gusts of wind across, like, a room of spikes. Um, And you just have to very, very carefully, like, I I was, last night I was at a segment where I just had to, like, slightly tap the D-pad very rapidly and you're, like, tensing up. Ben, this uh, reminds me
2: uh, of the levels in Donkey Kong Country 2 where you're the parrot and
0: you're flying through, like, uh,
2: the thorns. Very good comparison, absolutely. Coughing up going shooting shoot out like eggs or whatever you're shooting out. Um,
0: and there are definitely... T- you die a lot. Uh, but I think the reason that it works, and I like the concession of it so much, is they sort of give you um, this pool of resources that you can upgrade uh, by finding things without in the world where you can spend a point of it to save pretty mm-hmm. much anywhere. And that's what makes it work is if you don't save, like there have been definitely times where I've forgotten to save like, and it's Gah. like, Oh wait, no, I have to do that whole part again. That's on me. I have to think about saving as a resource. I have to spend it. Like I would like a health potion mm-hmm. or like a buff up item. Like I really have to incorporate, Hey, Hey, Do I want to spend this save here? Am I going to run out of juice for for my save and my other abilities? Or do I not want to use it? And so not only does it kind of put the onus on you, where it's like, hey, this is going to be hard, you figure out where to put the checkpoints, but it also makes you think of it as a resource, which I think is really cool and has been a very fun uh, mechanic for me. And I just feel like the rate at which you get stuff, because I think in games like this, especially when they're so challenging, and especially when they're having you go through so many um obstacles it's important to constantly change things up and give you new tools to play with and the tools that they give you are so much fun uh the best one i think is you get the ability to with enemies and projectiles use them to launch yourself into the air where basically you you freeze time and you can like figure out okay i'm gonna take this thing, I'm going to grab onto it, and I'm going to use it to launch. Hmm. And so there will be platforming sections where like things will be falling from the sky, and you have to jump, and you have to like grab on and launch from all of these things. Mm -hmm. And that just feels really good, but that's not the only way that you can use it. You could also fire projectiles back at enemies. Hmm. Where you have your own projectile that you can use, but there are certain enemies where it's like, okay, that's not very effective, that's going to take forever. It would be far more effective if I am a total baller, I grab their projectile out of the air, and I fling it back to Mm -hmm. um and yeah it has just been a game that we I was just playing with my girlfriend on a whim I don't know why we started playing it I think she thought it looked cool and I was like oh yeah I've been meaning to play that and have just completely fallen in love with it uh the 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 bad thing and I actually do think it's legitimately bad that I want to say about it is it is a game that is clearly focusing so much on presentation talked about how gorgeous and how detailed it was but there are times, like, everything, like, there are explosions of color from both you and the enemy, or there will be things falling from the sky, and there are just, there have been so many instances where I'll, I'll die or I'll get hit by something, I'm like, I didn't I couldn't even see that. The old like, Cuphead syndrome. Sure. Like, there's just so much noise on the screen. I actually think it, it communicates that information less effectively than Cuphead, oh. where, like, uh things will get completely lost and i will truly like on many occasions i'll have no idea where that came from and so i i don't know how they could fix that uh they just need to make it a little bit more distinct uh than they currently do um and that's that's been a little bit frustrating but yeah i'm i'm so excited because we're getting into it and we're loving it and we're almost done with it and it's like hey that sequel is sequel's coming baby yeah oh yeah Damianni, uh, well, both of you really—it seems like a game that both of you would love your kind of style. Have you guys played Ori at all?
1: So I feel bad because I actually played it at the E3 before it came out at mm. Microsoft's uh, booth, and I, I like—I was really like sold on it. I was like, "This is pretty good. I'm yeah. going to play this." And I just forgot about it. Every time it would come up, I was like, "Oh yeah, Ori! I, did, I need to play this game. Holy crap!" Yeah. And I would just keep forgetting about it. And I'm like, crap. And even with the sequel coming, out, I was like, wow, I didn't play the first one. There's already a second one coming out. I feel, I feel ashamed. Like this kind of stinks. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely a game. I, I like. Eventually, I'm going to remember to like. Oh, I I want to play this. I have time to play this. It's happening. Yeah. Uh, I just need that moment to like line up, and I I do want to play through it. But, yeah, just from, like, that 15-minute portion, I, it was basically the beginning of the end. They, they said, 15 minutes, go. Like, do what you want. Like, yeah. in the first 15 minutes, it was a complete game. I was like, okay, awesome. And I, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I was a little – I I love the visual style from everything i would seen beforehand. I was a little skeptical about how when everyone throws around the term retrovania, I'm like, all right, you're setting up some expectations here. Mm-hmm. But let's see. I was like, all right, i I dig what you're doing here. Uh, I'd like to see more of this. And that's kind of where it ended. But maybe it won't end there. We'll see.
0: I would like to make a strong push for it. I remember making a strong push for Shovel Knight. And I Mm -hmm. feel like this kind of falls into a similar category. I don't think you need to nudge me as much for this one. This is
1: the the timing thing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: absolutely. Uh, It fell into a weird space for me. And I think... This kind of happens or at least it happens for me where it's kind of a consequence of the job and I don't know if this happens to you guys uh, but I remember when Ori came out I think Bloodworth reviewed it and like Elise really loved it and talked about it and streamed it and so it was like hey this looks cool I'm gonna put like a feather in it but like at game shows we got this covered and I just kind of moved on uh to focus on things that weren't being covered and I I, I hate that because I wish I would have played it. Uh, at the time, but other things where you've skipped over them, Brad. Where you're like, oh, somebody else has this, Blood has this, Brand has. Yeah, this. I mean, that's the this.
2: nature of our job, kind of thing. Like, yeah, I won't, I won't play that. Like, yeah, I'm playing through uh, Yakuza, but I'm like, do I really need to? It feels like selfish almost for me playing because I just want to play it for myself. Like, Once I'm not going to talk about kiwami yeah. really probably anything like that, but I'm just like, I'm always thinking about playing something I'm like, what could I do with this for work, kind of thing like sure. that. Sure. But sometimes I'm like, no, I'm just playing this for me, man.
0: Yeah. Once once in a while you do have to uh not even once in a while, often I think you do have to take those games and just yeah. have them for yourself. Yeah. Have you played any Ori Brad? Nope.
2: One same thing, Damiani. One of those games I always want to play, just never got to
3: it.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice that I feel so positively about this because there there are many games that I get on with Frame Trap and I'm like, oh, I love this. Also, it's 50 hours long. And that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, I can recommend this to you. It's a reasonable length and I'm almost positive you'll Yeah, like you're it. telling me to play like Trails of Cold Steel. I'm like, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and it's not something that takes a while to understand. You'll yeah. understand it yeah, immediately, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Um The last game that we're going to talk about today, not uh, more of an update, really. Tell me about Luigi's Balloon World in uh,
1: Mario Odyssey. Yeah, free update for Super Mario Odyssey. Basically, in almost every kingdom uh, near the start, you can find Luigi. And he will offer you one of two options. Uh, It's an online mode, um, Luigi's Balloon World. You have two options. You can either do find it or hide it. Very simple. In find it, you pick from a, a list of different character, uh, other players' balloons that they have hidden somewhere within the world, and you're going to see a few different numbers on there, and it's kind of important to pay attention to. Uh, you can see the timer, which is how long you will have to find that balloon, and then there will be a coin value. You have to buy into these challenges. So if you if you pay this fee you'll be able to try this. Uh to if you want to retry it should you fail, the the reentry fee is a little uh, less steep. So It cuts it back. What is the general range of fees for this stuff? How okay, so it, it can be as cheap as uh 10 to 20 coins when you So you have a ranking as you rank up values change. So early on, it's pretty cheap. Like it's it's very low cost and the payoffs are pretty good. So before I get into any more details, if you're looking for a way to get a lot of coins very easily to buy all those costumes, oh. this serves beautifully as knocking it out.
0: I can finally get this And, and, and with, with both
1: of them, with the find it and hide it, you're earning coins through both of these. So, yeah, and again, and find it, uh, you can kind of see the challenge. Like, the further down you get, the higher the rank it's gonna be a little bit more difficult and you can get a glimpse of the directions. What you'll do is when you you select one option before you even begin, you're in a little round area uh, and if you go beyond the, the barrier of it, it begins the timer. So you can actually select one, buy into it, wait there without any time and you can like look around. You can try and see if you can see the balloon at the beginning. There's an arrow above your head that tells you the general direction. It actually points up or down and kind of give you like height mm. uh mm-hmm. if it's above or below you. And then there's a meter number by you that tells you as you're getting closer, it'll count down. So when the, the arrow will eventually vanish when you get within a range and you gotta rely on your visual acuity and then the 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 distance marker to or distance measurement to see how close you are. And you just got to pop the balloon. If you pop the balloon in the time, you get the reward uh, that you were promised. If you keep finding more and more in a row without failing, you get like a chain bonus basically for that as well. Um, So here's the thing. I really enjoyed that. It, It is really fun to try and find people's balloons. It really tests how well you know levels. Um, a lot of them you're going to fail the first time, but it's no big deal. You get closer and closer. You start scouting around. You can even use camera mode to cheat. Camera mode will freeze, stop the clock, and let you like look around and everything. Uh, even when you fail, you get a chance to look around until you exit back out. It, it's fun to do. The only small gripe I have is that there are two kingdoms that, have, uh, that uh, glitchers, exploiters, are putting the balloons in ridiculous places. Uh, in uh, the uh, mushroom kingdom, people found a way to put it underneath the castle, oh. and with the scooter glitch. So if you don't know how to do that, you're never getting the balloon. And you'll understand why they're doing this in a second. And then in another in a Metro Kingdom, a lot of people are hiding them under buildings, basically with the scooter. The reason they're it's doing it is
0: a race to the bottom, isn't it? It's I hate it. A, I wish those, so. I wish there was
1: the a bottom. way to report those and say kick those out, like get rid of those, please, like because you buy in. They're usually expensive, and you buy into them, and you fail. And you're like, oh crap, and then you waste all that time trying to figure out thankfully chat was like dude that's a glitch one don't do it it's why I
0: almost never take leaderboard seriously because I feel like so many times the people at the top for online leaderboards are just like the people that found a way to break the game
1: yes the, 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 the that's yes I totally agree with you um, I also feel before I, uh, the, the complaint is because uh, they're doing this because of hide it and hide it you get up to 30 uh, a certain amount of time uh, to run around a, a level and press a, the button to set your balloon down or it'll try and set it at the closest safe, like, solid g- piece of ground when the timer runs out. Hmm. And you get more coins based on how hard it is to find, basically. Like, the longer it goes unpopped, the more coins you'll get. So that's why people are putting them in the glitch places because it's the, they get a big payout when people keep failing it. But the other... Let's say there were no glitches. I feel like there is a trend; it's gonna happen. I feel like everyone's just going on YouTube and watching the best spot to hide your balloon guide because there was one in uh, in Sand Kingdom or uh, the 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 one with the, the frozen desert one at first, the uh, inverted inverted pyramid. Mm-hmm. Everyone was jumping off the top. And then hugging the wall with the hat, like, toss trick, there's this little tiny ledge you can kind of just, like, jam yourself into, and everyone was putting theirs there. Like, every other one was, like, that arrow was going up to the pyramid. I was like, it's in that stupid ledge, isn't it? And I'm like, yep, like, ten of these have been, like, on the ledge. I was like... This makes me not even want to check it out. But they're not... But here's the thing. For every one of those... All you have to do is start looking at the arrow. I love that arrow at the beginning because you just hover over the, the balloon option. You see the arrow before you even select it. So if you see the arrow pointing in the same direction, like, okay, I've done that one. I see. You keep going until so you see the arrow. I just kept going till I saw an arrow in a different direction. Like, all right, let's try this one. It's a direction I haven't gone. It's so quick and easy. Like It's, it's just... It's not frustrating to have to deal with a, like uh, an, a time when you get a repetitive one. You just quit it, go back, and like you lost some coins, but you're earning so many that who cares? Like it's only the glitch ones that are like really frustrating. But as you play more of it, you, you're gonna see like that that's a glitch one, and there are only so many of them.
0: With Hide it can you see like how long somebody has gone and the payout they've gotten for for like a really long unfound balloon?
1: Uh, you can. The value, the payoff of the balloon goes up as it hasn't been found. Like okay. that's how they judge so the difficulty. But you can, and you
0: can see that value.
1: Yeah. So when you. So it's just like a little like menu. It's a little like column, and you'll see the person's like like icon avatar and their name. You'll see their star ranking. uh, As you collect more balloons and as you do better hiding it, you rank up, which, as I said, scales all the values for your coin rewards. You'll just see that the entry fee you have to pay Luigi to try to attempt to find it once. You'll see the payoff. If you find that balloon, you are getting this many coins. So you will see the the, the, the definitive rewards for every single one.
0: Roughly how many coins have you, Michael Damiani? So I think I
1: was like at... Seven thousand and I hit that nine 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 cap. uh With that short play session, I'd play for maybe an hour. Oh, and I bought the skeleton outfit. I was like, "All right, if you want to go, like, if you played it for a few hours, or just one hour every night for probably like a few days, you'd probably have enough coins to buy everything in that game."
0: It's nice that this is free.
1: Yeah, it's a free update, and I was kind of secretly I, I tried to encourage people to nominate it for one of our group streams because. There, there are so many like there are ways we could have done like who it's could a find idea. a certain balloon fest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fun. Uh, it, 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 there's some net minor networking issues because you do have to be online early on when I was trying to tried to load the balloon challenge. Like you talk to Luigi, say yes, it then reloads the level, and when you finish. It sends you back and then tries to reload the level again, it would hang on that black loading screen for a long time. Mm. I was like, it's just the level I was in. Why is it taking so long to load back? And sure. people are like, eh, and Nintendo's been having congestion issues. So I was like, man, if they go to paid service eventually and this is like more frequent, they, they got to not have this. But sure. other, that was very brief that that actually happened. It didn't happen again after a small period.
0: You finished Odyssey, didn't you, Brad? Yep. Sure did. Uh, do you have any desire to 100% it? Because I still, I still have that uh, s- spark to somewhere with 100% it?
2: No. Like, okay. I have more desire to go back and play Breath of the Wild on hero mode. Like, that seems I more see. appealing to me. Like, this whole balloon thing, not for me. Like,
0: What do you it, think that is? I
2: don't know. Like, I just, the tracking down balloon. I don't really feel like doing that. Like, if I'm gonna play Odyssey, I'd wanna get all the moons. I'd rather do that instead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just like, it's fine. Just, not for me. Doesn't speak to Bradley Ellis. Nah.
0: I did encounter something that I, do, I I hope speaks to you. Okay. I've been meaning to tell you about it for a while, uh, and that is Okay! Oh. Okay. Tried to make that a stealthy one. Kind
2: of let down. I thought it was gonna be something like. Nah. Really sexy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah.
1: Like poor Brad. He's like, like man. man. Like, oh, okay. Take. Oh, take. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to like get Thanks. you a makeup gift <laughs> yeah. yeah. for,
0: for building you up for that uh, <laughs> that trick there but like, you got five, six, seven leaks, Ben? What? They would never trust me with five, six, seven
2: leaks. Would they trust Damiani? No. Yeah, They'll that's nothing against anyone. you, Damiani. They didn't they didn't nobody them. gets yeah. those leaks. They don't, even trust them more, yeah, uh, don't trust Namora, dude? Yeah, <laughs> I trust Namora. That's right. <laughs> For
0: the talking this week, and something that I'm continuing to about, fascinated by, we've, we've already talked about Twitch a lot. Yes. Uh, but one thing that we haven't really touched on is how more explicitly integrated Twitch is becoming. I was playing Fortnite last night. Uh, and they're like, "Hey, log into your Twitch Prime to get this this loot." Uh, you, yep. they've they've done similar promotions with like Overwatch and Hearthstone mm-hmm. and plenty of other games as well. And they are getting very explicitly tied into Twitch. Twitch is becoming a dominant platform. Uh, we've talked about how games that maybe wouldn't have been successful or as successful because of the Twitch ecosystem have kind of bubbled up to the yeah. top. And so this has to be something that game developers are thinking about. When you're making a game, I think, at least depending on the type of game that you're making, you want to th- think to yourself, how is this going to look for people who are live streaming it? What's that process going to be like? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you on a general level, are you worried about games being designed around Twitch. How much of a concern do you think that that actually is?
2: I think... Or is it a good thing? I don't know. I think it's it could be good in both. It, like, depends on the type of game they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're making... If, like... Uh, it depends who's making it, too. Like, if someone like u wait has said to me... Or, like, you is making a game where he has Twitch in mind. I'm like, hmm, that could be interesting. I don't know what he's going to do. Right. But at the same time, I'm, like, thinking about, like they're making a game just to get the certain audience. So I'm thinking, like, oh, Resident Evil. They just want, like, the jump-scared kind of thing like that. Mm. I don't know if it'll work as well. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do like, little promotional things bother you at all? Mm, not really. Okay. Like, not... Stuff like that in games, period, doesn't really bother me anymore. Like, I know it bugs, like, Kyle, like, Link being in uh, Mario Kart and stuff like that. But, like sure. I'm just like, God, I don't know. It doesn't bother bug me anymore.
0: I The ones that... It's not a big deal. I'm not super upset about it, but there are sometimes you'll get these cosmetic items where it's just this really ugly, like, purple skin suit, and it's like, why why does this
2: If it's, like, really stupid and dumb and feels low effort, then, yeah, that always sucks. But if they put in, like, the time and effort to make something really cool, yeah, it's awesome.
0: Domani, do you think this is something that developers are are wrestling with? Do you think that this is happening? What scale do you think it's happening at?
1: I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of the direction everything's going honestly mm-hmm. just because uh, slightly i mean it's twitch related but there seems to be a new metric to judge how an online or a multiplayer online multiplayer game is going to do based on not on its reviews now not its metacritic but twitch on numbers? its twitch placement on during its release week on mm-hmm. release day is it in the number 1 spot how long was it in the number 1 spot oh that means it's going to be successful this long and there's been some pushback i've seen some people are like it's Getting less, di- not as challenging to get a game in a number one spot on a launch <laughs> day anymore if you have certain things going for it. Because there are a lot of people who do, for various reasons, want to jump on to a new online game, especially Battle Royale type games, yeah, it's right to now. get in there and try it out because it could be the next big thing. I think it's a little, ex- uh, it's smart, but it's also exploitive a little bit. But it's basically relying on the streamers, like, hey, streamers also are profiting out of this, like especially part, Twitch partners. If this is the next big game, they're going to want to stream it because everyone's going to watch it. They're going to get yeah. higher viewership. They're going to get more subscribers. It, it's <laughs> part of the eco. I'm going to call it an ecosystem now. It, developers, I think, are keeping in mind because I think they see it as kind of a symbiotic relationship with uh, Twitch streamers in that Hey, you're helping us out by streaming it and stuff, and we're, we're going to make it stream-friendly because we're going to put in these features we're going to use make the UI customizable to, to cater to, like, the most common popular layout styles or Twitch, like, we'll even throw in, like, a system to help with your Twitch alerts built in the game, the, the, the redeemable, like... Items that you get through Overwatch and and Fortnite now, it's like, hey, just even watching it, you're, you just tell your 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 mm-hmm. viewers that they just watch it, they could get in game items. Isn't that awesome? Like we're helping you out so much in return. You you stream it and you're helping us out by giving us the game exposure, but you're also making money off of it. It's like it's like it, it's a two, definitely a two way street, and I think both. I mean, it's, developers are just hip to it now, I, I, but I'm worried that going to become too much of a crutch is that it's developers going to think that's they rely too much on that put too much emphasis on trying to cater to the Twitch crowd, Twitch streamers and I think it might make it might make things a little bit too homogenous, I think. Everything's going to become too like everything's going to become the same thing. Everything's going to become predictable in certain in certain types of genres of game. Like I will just say like with battle royale, that's probably going to there's going to be a point probably this year where, like Oh, gosh, it's a meme. Another Battle Royale reach number one on Twitch. And so you
0: think it's just inevitably going to get oversaturated? Yeah.
1: Right? It's just going to go I, – I, I just don't see it going any other way than that. And I think that the, the true secret sauce is that not intentionally creating a game that is from the ground up designed to be good on Twitch – like it's all, like I it would compare it to like forcing a game to be esports. You can't just make a competitive game and go esports. This is an esports game. We're gonna put all this stuff around it, and it's gonna become super successful. It's like you don't get to dictate that. Actually, it's uh, there's, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. elements
2: out of your out, out of your control. A uh, good example of that is Lawbreakers.
1: Ah, Lawbreakers. How's that one doing now? Bad. Eh. Bad. People were excited about that, though. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like I, I feel like like they're like probably putting the whole esports
2: thing behind it, competitive going on. Just, no one. Cared. I mean, there was
1: a rumor that like or apparently Sony's hiring for a position for an esports lead. Yeah. To make Sony esports stuff, it's basically I, I worry about that. But you, you can't. You can't force that sometimes. You can't, and that's that's what yeah. I hear a lot, and that's yeah. what
0: we've said before is that. In terms of exposure on Twitch and creating an esports scene that people care about and, and like, grows on its own, like, everybody wants it to be organic, everybody wants it to be because the game is good and there's a lot of interest, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a really easy thing to say, but a really hard thing to think through and actually do, where it's like, hey, we're making a game, we're throwing a lot of money behind it, we want it to be successful... How do we just make it happen organically? Like, how do you solve that problem? I can sympathize with some level on people like wanting to be like, hey, we should try to be more aware of this. We should try to incorporate these elements. Obviously, most of the time it just ends up feeling really <coughs> forced and awful. But it's, it's a tough nut to crack, right? Yeah. Um, and so
1: I don't know. How do you work around that problem? I mean, I, 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 I do sympathize. Because it uh, pretty much any company, any developer, any studio working on this type of game, right. this is probably going to be in the, the the workflow now that you have to come up come up with solutions to how we can make this better integrated with Twitch. Like sure. that is a priority for us. Mm-hmm. I think the problem that the pitfall that some of them might need to avoid that kind of goes with wrestling is that <laughs> success on Twitch doesn't equal success sales wise. Like, just because you become a phenomenon on Twitch, if it's short lived, if it's slashed in the pan, you got to be careful about that. Like, I, I, that's why I was saying, I think you're going to see some of these games rise up really quickly on there and then fade away just as fast. And so you can be successful in achieving, like, short term popularity on Twitch. But the, I think the tough nut crack is the long the term one. How do you stay popular on Twitch long term? <coughs> and I think it, like, you have to do a lot of your homework and look at the ones that are doing it right. There's some things that are out of your hands. There's always certain things in your hands. There's also something to be said about not just being the first of a type of a game, like the first battle royale type game, but also being the one that was like the, 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 the best at the time, uh, the, the one that had like a hook that caught on with everyone that set yourself apart from the other ones. Like in that early window, I think that's like the most crucial time after that. It's harder to, like, stand out, I feel. Like, you just got to kind of follow the same formula or you risk being too different Where people are like, what's this? Like, you're, you're not – I'm too used to this. This is too different and it's still the same genre. Like, if you're trying to do a yeah. different genre, that's fine. You're trying to shake things up. But if you're doing a battle royale and you do something too different and it's just – I don't know. I can see people just, like, freaking out and be like, e- no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, You –
0: You talk about how crucial that early period is, and I think it's not just because of like people are forming their ideas about it, but it's also very popular names are building like a brand where I will see streamers who are very known for playing one particular game. Let's say they're very well known for playing Hearthstone. Anytime they play anything else, you look at their chat, you're almost guaranteed to see like, where's Hearthstone? Where's Hearthstone? Where's Hearthstone? Mm -hmm. And so we talk about like, wanting to be part of the conversation where you're not only competing in these these very successful games that may have a lot of resources behind them and a, and a reputation that they've built up over years, but you're also trying to convince these people who have built their audience, their livelihood, off of streaming a particular thing. This guy is known for playing Fortnite. This girl is known for playing Overwatch. And so, like, asking them to move away from that hurts their business as well. And I think that's what yeah. makes this such a mess. Now, the way that some people have gone around that is they're like, we're going to pay you to stream our game. We're going to incentivize you to do a sponsored stream for our thing. But you look at any stream that has the sponsored tag on it and there's just nothing but bad will from chat because there's just kind of this stench of of streaming something that was was quote-unquote paid for and so that generates bad vibes as well Mm -hmm. so what do you do what do you do when you have like two businesses that are trying to intersect
1: i i feel like it's obvious but at the same time i think it's actually kind of hard to to fully grasp understand is that is Actually going to the, like, the established community for these other games. If we're going to enter a certain, uh, let's, let's go Battle Royale again. Mm-hmm. You look at what everyone's doing right, the popular ones, but you go in deep into their communities and say, what are actually, what are players actually complaining about, about each specific one? Like, what are they asking for? But the publishers are saying, like, we can never do that. Like, you just don't understand. Like, that's just beyond, like, that's not possible with our game set up. Yeah. You, you be the one that says, we're going to do that. Like... The the, like, we're gonna do that feature, or we're gonna actually do this in our game. Whether it's because we're starting it now and we're not so ingrained in certain systems that backtracking on those will just like wreck the game, as it'll just be a different game, or it's something that you could like. Sometimes I see what like what community people ask or fans ask for is actually like financial suicide for like uh, a developer. They want you know oh loot boxes. If you just do this with like them and not charge like yeah, they're doing that on perks. So they want to make the money. They don't want to put free. Oh, you can do, earn them all with in-game currency. Yeah, they're not going to do that because they that was part of their you know their 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 pipeline for their their money to to keep making the game. But someone who's starting out differently, it's like hey, every other game out there only has paid loot boxes no one does it strictly in-game currency oh we're gonna come along we're gonna be the first one to do that and on top of that if you watch on twitch you get this stuff in game like you never have to spend a cent on any kind of our loot box in this game People like you're crazy you can't do that everyone else is doing that i think you have to be that risk take that big of a risk and be that bold is find out what these other games aren't doing that are saying is impossible and say we're gonna do that and start from there it might not work out financially initially, but if you can get everyone a, a swell of people around the game, like this game works, like keep please keep making this game. They'll be like what wh- how can we support this game to keep it running? The ideas will come to you about how to like you know make it sustainable. Like if you like if everyone's doing paid loot boxes cuz it's the only way to sustain those types of games and you're not doing it, people are like you're going to die out. Like you're crazy. You can't do this. Like your community will suggest to you ways, like hey, we would pay for this, Mm -hmm. we'd be okay paying for that, and I think that takes a level of uh, flexibility that some developers just like get freaked out about. Like, it's already enough crunch around development; it's already hard enough Mm -hmm. to make games. To have that level of flexibility, like updating the game that quickly at at the whim of the community, I I can see some people that's like ripping their hair out. Like, I I can't do that. Like that, that, that's you're asking way too much of us. But that's like the kind of like. The gusto you need to do it. If you want to beat PUBG, if you want to beat Fortnite, yes, you got to be able to like put that level of intensity out when you're making a game.
0: Yeah, I think the the PUBG Fortnite dynamic is so interesting because I, I feel like it's echoing so much of what you're saying. Where I feel like the reason Fortnite is being successful is because it. People have a clearer vision of what it's trying to do. Like, there's more transparency there. The Fortnite team is better at communicating and interacting with its fans, and people are having a better experience overall. Uh, like, I've, I've seen a lot of frustration from streamers about PUBG, where they're like, why, why are we still dealing with these problems? And yeah. I get I get a stronger sense of we're taking steps forward with Fortnite, and I think that is like paying huge, huge, huge dividends for that game. Uh, on Twitch and otherwise.
1: Biggest advantage a new developer trying to enter the market has is they do not have the problem of being complacent with their success. Mm-hmm. A lot of the top leaders will just become complacent, think they're untouchable, and all it takes is someone to start looking at what their weaknesses are and come out and think one step ahead of them, like, if we just do this and this, we're actually going to be better than them. And if we convince enough people, now with Twitch, if we get like streamers playing this, we get that number one spot, and people are like, What's this other WoW Royale? Whoa, they're doing this? They said this going to be done in this game. What they're doing it all of a sudden, hey, I'm gonna try it out. <laughs> it, it has a better chance, I think, of like blowing up and being sustainable. And then all of a sudden, PUBG and Fortnite are like, uh, wait a second, crap, they're doing that now. Crap, now we're scrambling to catch up. We either have to do the thing we said was impossible to do, or we look foolish and we're gonna bleed users to that, or we gotta evolve. That's that's how it is with like everything, like uh, with business stuff. You just can't become complacent. But yeah, at the same time, it is. It's not. It's not easy. Right. <laughs> like, you you gotta know what you're getting into with that. So, Brad, uh,
0: Sea of Thieves is coming out. Yep. And I yep, think yep, yep, yep. I, you've already seen uh, with the pre-release stuff that they've been doing with Sea of Thieves that it's already experienced uh, some popularity on Twitch. Uh, what do you think Sea of Thieves needs to do to stay relevant and interesting and, and like Damiani was saying, compete in this very highly competitive
2: arena? <laughs> uh, the community is the most important. Like, when I see people playing Sea of Thieves, they're playing it because it's fun interacting with people in the ocean, like random people. Sure. I could easily see them doing... Battle Royale, like, I could see that coming. I, f- I could feel like I could see that coming to almost any multiplayer game now. Sure,
0: I feel like you're you're saying a uh, battle royale like with a sigh. Or do you think, you know, a, if, a game if pivoting it, and if changing? It, like, is-
2: if it can, no, I don't have a problem with the game changing, pivoting. Like Fortnite was not meant, like it was not built with the idea of battle royale in mind, but it sure, worked out great for them. Like, if it can happen, like I'm fine with it. But like, if I was playing a game. Like, I don't know what, f- what their model of Fortnite is. If I was playing Fortnite, I was a big fan of the, uh, the other mode, the single player mode or whatever, the normal mode. Right. And I was, like, really into that, but I didn't care about Battle Royale. But then they only care. the developers only really cared about Battle Royale and left everything else I liked about the game alone. I would get kind of annoyed. Sure. But, um, yeah, Sea of Thieves, I think it's going to be like they need to have constant updates to that game. They can't, they need to have some sort of in game to keep people playing. Like, we saw this with Destiny 2. Just kind of like everyone got to the end and everyone quit. Everyone was over it. Like, we'll see if thieves have something to keep people playing it like that. I don't know.
0: So going back to the original question where I said, hey, are you worried about things kind of going in this direction? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was how you phrased it, Damiani. Um, doing what we're talking about, mm-hmm. doing those pivots, adding huge new modes, constantly keeping the community up to date, all of that takes a tremendous amount of sure resources, does, yeah. right? And if you're a game company and you're making big, expensive games, and you make a lot of games, I think creating something that can have a livelihood in this this live arena, that takes a tremendous amount of resources, and Mm -hmm. you might have to cut back on other things or cut out other things entirely. Are you worried about the types of experiences that you're going to be getting in the future shrinking?
3: Hmm.
2: I don't know. Like, I never know what's going to come. So I can't, like...
0: If something like I love gets shrinked, I don't know what it will necessarily be. Well, let's take a look. So, like, we're talking about... I, I really do think this is remarkable, right? We're talking about, in Mario Odyssey, this free update mm-hmm. that you got that added a new mode. In a mainline Mario game, uh, in a mainline 3D Mario game, there has never been a big downloadable update before. That is right. a new thing. Uh as we continue, as every <laughs> single type of game that we love is trying to grab an audience on Twitch, is trying to keep people interested, mm-hmm. uh, are you ever worried that there's just going to be way too much to keep up with? Is there already too much to keep That's up with now? already too much for me to keep
2: up. How do you We're, handle that? Are, I, I pick and choose now. Sure. Uh,
0: but it, are, you, are you satisfied with that?
2: Um satisfied that i can't play everything no i mean like having to make choices
0: no i i think there's what i'm saying is does the commitment to to a game when when so many games are asking more and more Mm -hmm. and they're going to keep asking more and more because there are all these factors that they have to consider does that commitment ever weigh on you
2: uh no not really for me like i will just play something until i get tired of it i don't I don't like feeling obligated, like I have to place a commitment kind of thing. In that sense, mm-hmm. if I'm done, I'm done. I'm moving on.
0: Is there any skepticism that you have, Doniani, with the way things that are heading? With with
1: I, I there, there I mean, there's a skeptical side. But at the same time, like echo what, what Brad said, I and mean, same thing. Like you know, if you get like, you don't need to feel obligated. But I feel like I feel like we're approaching a time when. The old excuse is when we were younger, we only played so many games because, you know, that we only had so many games. We, that's why we spend hundreds of hours on single player games because it's all we had and we loved them. We came came up with creative ways to play them. Now it's different. Like, I, I feel like we're going to the It's different, but more the same in that people are going to start. I feel like more and more people are just going to focus on fewer games and invest more time in them because the industry, and I think. People who play games are more and more embracing the whole, I hate to say it, games as a service mentality, mm-hmm. that these games are constantly evolving and they're changing based on your feedback. So while you don't feel obligated, you might start to feel more invested because you're part of a community and, hey, you see everyone raising their concerns about certain thing. You see the developer change it and address it. This isn't anything new like a patch update But the the speed that's happening, like, quality of life changes, like, that was something that was, like, before patch updates would be fixed bugs. It's like, this was a major glitch. We Mm -hmm. fixed it. Or a major feature has been introduced. Now, like, in certain games, I'll see, like, a a patch notes update, and I'll have, like, a laundry list of stuff that has not new content. So it's, like, we, we changed, we, like, fixed this. We, like, you know, item sorting works like this now. Or, like, display of, like, icons has been changed because, like, certain people said this. Like... Even down to, like, you know, accommodating colorblind players. Like, we found a new way to, like, visualize, like, area of effect attacks and stuff like that to accommodate people who can't see colors and stuff. Like, we represented a different way with, like, sound waves and stuff. Like, I was like, whoa, that's insane. And people feel good about that. They're like, wow, they're, like, taking my stuff seriously. They're actually addressing. You feel like you have some kind of authority over the game's direction. I mean, not, not, not like, complete control, but you feel like they'll actually listen to you and might address your concern this time and you feel more invested in that community and you feel good about the game. It's constantly updating. It's constantly changing in your mind. It's constantly getting improving towards what you ultimately want. Not every change is going to be a winner, but you're still kind of hooked because, Oh, that's not the end. That's not the final change. Things could still, things will change beyond that. Who knows? I'm going to stick around for this. I just see people being more focused on fewer games which the skepticism is that it's that's bad news for like the, the for the game studios and publishers because there's only going to be so many games that are going to be able to get like a piece of that pie then right. when you're when you're vying for everyone who wants to be like long term invested in stuff. Um, in games as a service, there's always going to be a place for like single player offline games. That's a whole different market. I'm just talking about games as a service. There's only so many that can be running that are successful that can be supported no matter how large. The, the the market gets. There's only so many people in the world. Well, you can you can yeah.
0: only form like this. Yeah. You're saying like the the payout for being able to form that like intimate connection with your consumers is is great. But any one consumer can only have that intensive a relationship yes. with so many games, a small handful at best. Um, and what I worry about is I just I I see echoes of like the MMO craze where people just. Can't stop chasing the money, and so they'll they'll go all in on something that there's no more room left. Mm-hmm. But I,
1: I mean, I and I don't th- know how to
0: f- how to fix that because yeah. with with Twitch, right? Like, <clears throat> you always see the same things at the top. Occasionally, you'll have something rise up and 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 rest there. And I'm not saying that that top of the list can't be penetrated, but I would like to see. I would like to find a way for more types of games to thrive and exist and build communities with a live audience and make those games interesting and fun to watch for that audience without compromising like what makes them special. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I mm. think it would be cool because like, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I the, the Maybe some hope I can try and give you is that no matter how much you update a game and stuff, eventually people will get tired of it. People do move on from things. People will be invested in a single game maybe a little bit longer than before. They're still going to want something new eventually. They're, they're, they're like very, the longer you have a player invest in the game, it's diminishing returns in terms of like the, the, the player base. It's going to eventually start shrinking. It'll hit its peak. It'll start shrinking no matter what you try and do try and build it back up. It's just never going to get back to that point. So line A, you have people who are just getting tired with that experience and eventually funnel into what's my next game. So you're still going to have, eventually, if this is what happens, eventually you're going to have these periods, these windows open where people are looking for something new. They might go to one of the already established games, or that's the time when you do have something new. Like, hey, this is the time to introduce something new. See. We're seeing a decline at point, the second little point of hope. There's always new people being born into this world. They're gonna become, you know, they're gonna play video games. Mm-hmm. So in, in anywhere from like you know, a few years, to like twenty years, however long it takes them to get into video games, they might look at what we're playing now and be like, I'm not. That's I'm not into that. You know, their 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 tastes and stuff are gonna change. What we're playing might like seem like antiquated. Like gee, <laughs> Fortnite. This game's been around for ten years. Who wants to play this game? They're also gonna be looking for something new. Because they're a younger generation, and they're also someone you should, uh, an audience you should be looking to, to see like what they're going to be into. Because think about it, like battle, like PUBG and Fortnite. Like PUBG came out nowhere, like 10, 20 years ago. You're like PUBG, what? You can, what? you always knew in the back of your, you always could envision like there's going to be a next big online game. You just, it's impossible to define it. Right. And isn't it is an amazing each time. It finally is defined. Like PUBG coming out I was like, I was like no. Who who this? It's huge. And right. Who thought of it? That's great. I didn't think like that's so like it seems so simple, but like someone had to think of it. There's gonna be another one. There'll be another type of game that's gonna come along. That's gonna be like the next big one. Mm-hmm. Like we started with like Ever Everquest into-, into WoW. WoW was MMORPG. Then you had like all the 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 MOBA games coming out. Like you know Han and then like. League of Legends comes along and does it the best. And like, you know, then you have Dota 2. So you have these two, like Mobos Ground. Then he had like the next thing was like Hearthstone. Like it they just it, come in cycles. Well, and, like... These
0: things that you talk about and this this was a uh, a tone that we had during our game of the year conversation, where we we just kind of were in awe at how quickly and how aggressively PUBG blew up. But I think if you really sit down and break down what PUBG did, it wasn't it wasn't just a, a miracle handed down from on high. It was this is a perfect type of game that is building on trends seen from earlier things like DayZ, but it makes it more... it it condenses it, it makes it quicker, it makes it more fun to watch. It becomes a more spectator-like thing at a time where we are getting increasingly interested in watching other people play video games live. It just, all of the, the stars aligned, it was the right thing at the right time. You talk about League of Legends, it took this idea that was already popular and it, it organized it. It dumped a bunch of money into it. It formalized it in a way that really worked. Same thing with Hearthstone. It cut out a lot of the bullshit that wasn't being done before and made it more digestible for audiences. I think what my skepticism comes from is I find that the, the video game industry gets too tunnel visioned on chasing something that already works, being like, like I, I'm worried that everybody is sitting here being like, well, how can we be like PUBG and Fortnite, and instead should be thinking about how can, how can we be the mm-hmm. next completely okay, different I see way? What you're saying. <laughs> For sure. Um, and I think when you just try to chase something that has already covered so much ground, you're like you're it's like it's like you're being at a dinner table and you're fighting for scraps that other people have already like divvied up when you could just go to like a completely different table and eat most of the meal.
2: Uh. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh when Heroes of the Storm came out. It's like right. you got you got League and you got Dota 2. You're right. not gonna do you're not gonna get close. But they, at the same time they came around and did something different with Overwatch, which is like TF two, but they kind of made it their own thing and it got huge.
0: Sure. Uh Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with Overwatch that is interesting. Uh, But like with Heroes of the Storm specifically, it's frustrating because I really like Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, me too. It's a cool game. It's doing so many things different. Yeah. But we talk about that timing. It feels like it's happening. It's just it's way way too too late. late. It's way too late.
2: And what people want in that game, those or that type of genre, is not really what that game's doing. Sure.
1: I think to clarify earlier, something I said. I think that's what I mean by the early window. Yeah. Like. It's not necessarily being first. It's the first to look at what's being done in that genre and making it like the best, like taking the trends, cutting out the bullshit, focusing on the good stuff like League of Legends did for MOBAs, what Harson did for like card games, for, you know, what PUBG is doing for Battle Royale type games in Fortnite after it. That like that mentality, like you just there's a that you just have to do it within that window though, and yeah. that's nebulous. You can like try and define it, like it's only like within six months of the first one appearing. Like that does BS. Like maybe someone has some t- statistical analysis that's a little bit more accurate, but that's the hard part is that that nebulous time frame of like w- like we all like I think we all three of us said like heroes the storm was too late. Yeah, like was- we we think we instinctively say that, but it's like. Were you really thinking like? Did you have to find number in your head of like because it was because it was this much time after everything else, or is this, you're it just you just can feel like the sense of like the the popularity of the other ones that have come before it? You, you knew what they achieved. It's like it's. I don't it, even it, think
0: it's yeah. It's like I don't even think it's necessarily the 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 popularity. I think the problem with Heroes of the Storm, right, is it is competing with juggernauts like Dota two and League of Legends that. The people that it's going to appeal to are probably already invested in those games. And the reason why that is a problem is because it's not like they finished those games. These are ongoing things that are constantly getting new uh, champions, new updates, new tournaments. Like, there's, there's a whole system that's constantly, like, changing with these things. And it's enough to, like, keep up with just those those games or just one of those games that like trying to do the same thing with Heroes of the Storm when it's so far out is a lot to ask.
1: I got you. So would it alleviate your skepticism if instead of Blizzard going with Heroes <laughs> of the Storm, they'd spent those that resources on trying to do something different other like Heroes of the Storm just didn't happen. Like like well, that, would you rather them done something else, a new type of game or well, I I think uh, yeah, my, my skepticism
0: yeah. comes in like Blizzard Blizzard is so big that like beast. this doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. It's not like it's not just like oh man, here's the storm is too late. They messed that up. Too bad they don't have anything else going on. No, they have they have Overwatch. They have Hearthstone. They have Starcraft. They, are, they wow. have Diablo. They have WoW. They, like whatever. Like it it doesn't really matter all that much. What I'm worried about are the other companies that aren't Blizzard that a failure. Is the of end. a certain scale is the end. Like they, they don't they can't take the hit in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so what I worry about is they put all of their eggs in a basket that they shouldn't be they shouldn't be chasing after that anyway. Like I think I hope that the video game industry is learning in some ways, I think that's why we see successes like hopefully Monster Hunter World and Yakuza and Nier and these things that we keep bringing up that we're so excited to see. Like, like a game like Divinity Original Sin 2 works because it's chasing after an audience that isn't fully being catered to. Yes. It knows what its strengths are and it's super leaning in on those things. Like yes. here is a super complicated, rich detailed long computer role-playing game we're going to show you why that's awesome we're not going to try to bend this vision to anybody else yes and that's what i want to see more of i want mm. people to realize that it is okay there are so many audiences that you can chase after like find your own thing and go after it instead it of reminds just- me
2: of like uh nis a lot of like the- the games they publish and stuff like that, like it's a very specific audience, and mm-hmm. it may not be the biggest audience, but it works well enough for them that they're able to keep doing what they do. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I just. Ooh. Video games. Video games. I I think it is something that should be said for Sony as well, where I think it is fantastic that. They have kind of cultivated this image of, hey, if you want really good-looking single-player stories mm-hmm. that are are brand new, you can come here. Yeah, that's the kind of mindset that I want from from More everybody. People. And I think I think a lot of people are, do, you know, it's easy and convenient to pull out Sony, but there are a lot of modern-day examples where they are doing, the, they're creating their own space. I think it, that's what I'm trying to say. Ultimately, mm-hmm. is how vital it is to create your very own space.
2: That was intense, Hotake.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hotake's Hotake's are always so interesting because I think there's kind of an inherent rambling to yeah, them. Yeah, there's
2: like a weird vibe in the room now. Yeah, there We're all is. Just where, like, uh. <laughs> because the the whole
0: point is that I'm trying to introduce something that has no solution. Yeah. And so as you're trying to figure it out, right? You 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 can't point to any solution. We can't quickly and concisely make yeah. it up. And so it's just like kind of this messy process of trying to figure it mm-hmm. out. And, and give opinions on it. But, do you know what's not as messy? Or rambling, hopefully? viewer uh, questions? Emails. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> You're on the right track. are on right track. Brad, we're going to bring this vibe back. Sweet. And we're going to bring it back with Morgan. He's going to be our first email okay. today. He says... I'll I have... see Larry David. Do you... he, he, he essentially... <laughs> yeah, there's there's a nice picture of larry david in the email uh you're not gonna be able to see this very well but Mm -hmm. yeah it's there anyway uh how vital is it should you i guess not how vital is it should you go down with the ship and morgan asks i have decided that i am going down with the ship oh i love the Metal gear franchise and have seen some reviews and opinions on the latest entry metal gear survive i hate zombies as enemies I'm not a big fan of survival games. I do not like grind-heavy games, and I get put off by certain microtransaction, including having to pay for a second character slot. But much like the stoic captain in James Cameron's Titanic, I am going down with the ship. I have purchased Metal Gear Survive and am going to play it to completion. I plan to give it a fair chance and may end up enjoying it, but something tells me that it won't be great. After this though, I know that there will likely not be any more franchise loyalty and much of what Konami produces will be under heightened scrutiny. Does the panel have any thoughts to share about a mismanaged franchise? Would any of you go down with a ship and what would your reasons be? Mismanaged. Hmm. Here's what something on the internet that I really don't like. And I think Valkyria Chronicles is a good example. Uh, I know, Damiana, you said that Valkyria 4 had already been greenlit by the time Valkyria Revolution happened. But when when we see missteps, right, when we see things bungled that we don't like or a a, a company is going in a direction that is bad, I think Chrono Trigger being released and being just completely botched and ruining everybody's hope of a surprise Chrono Trigger on Steam announcement. Like, it's really frustrating, and I think the impulse is to be like, this sucks, and just burn them at the stake, and just make memes and jokes and videos about how angry you are. I get that, but I think what we also need to do with an equal level of ferocity is tell them what we want. Mm -hmm. Like, tell them, this is not acceptable, here's why this isn't acceptable, and then tell them what we want. Like, I think it's fine to go down with the ship, but, like, don't always abandon hope that the ship is sunken forever. You know, I think you I think you have to try to be productive if you care about these things. Dude. Sometimes the ship is just...
2: Great example. Yeah. The Resident Evil boat, the boat sank, man. I was treading <laughs> water, dude. Yeah. I was like, this sucks. This is not what I want from this yeah. series. Sure. And they lifted it up from the water brand new spanking boat they listened
1: that, that that that's a good point though Ben uh, I mean I hope people try and do that uh whenever there is the initial rea- like negative reaction to something that seems like the doom and gloom um or the no hope scenario for a, a series or a follow-up installment I I, I, I mean yeah Valkyrie. I think enough people just I mean yeah we don't say green light it but if they hadn't I, I believe the community was basically like Sega, all we wanted was a proper <laughs> sequel to Valkyria Chronicles 1. Yeah. Uh, everything just kept going in the wrong direction. Uh-huh. Portable game, a portable Japanese-only game we didn't even get, and then a spinoff that wasn't anything what we asked for. <laughs>
2: oh, it's like Kingdom Hearts, man. It was just, it, the, yeah, it just went the wrong Stop way. giving me handouts, and,
1: and there's some frustrating communities. Like, I think the community is like, can we, get Valky- can we get a console Valkyria Chronicles sequel? Can we get a console Valkyria Chronicles sequel? How many times we have to say that? I think it also goes two ways sometimes. There is some amplified level of frustration when the community is asking for something and then the publisher gives you something other than that. Right. There are times when communities have been proven wrong where a publisher is like, this is a new type of game. We have we have a lot of confidence in it. Please give it a chance. community is like, eh, that's going to be dumb. Mario and Rabbids. Let's say Boom. that. Oh, man, that's a terrible idea. And you're just like, whatever, it's coming. You, you will be ashamed of your words and deeds boy. community um, Mario rabbits comes out everyone's like boy. crap we were wrong about that one reminds me of uh, Metroid Prime Metroid Prime is yeah. another great one where it's like oh, what are you doing? Give yeah. me it to a western studio. <laughs> it's in first, you're trying to yeah. be like a Halo now. Trying to turn Metroid into Halo Nintendo. Pff, I'm done with this series. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh crap. Then now it's like it's not first person. Yeah. <laughs> Brad <laughs> when when there's a series that you love
0: takes a direction that uh, you clearly don't like or don't think you'll like. Mm -hmm. How obligated do you feel to to see what it is? Uh, It
2: Depends on the series, man. It depends how close I am to it.
0: All right, let's say Zelda.
2: I'm trying it. Like, Zelda's, like, top tier. Is is Zelda's number one? Zelda, I'm trying no matter what. Like, Kingdom Hearts, I'm trying no matter how stupid it sounds to me, I'm trying.
0: Have you tried every
2: Kingdom Hearts thing? Yeah. Played the phone game, tried it out. How is that phone game? I don't really like it. I just don't. I don't like phone games that much. Period. Yeah. I don't know, but it's like I try. I played all the stupid DS ones that I didn't like.
0: Quick aside, for no reason at all, I am. I've played a little bit of Yu Gi Oh Duel Links on the phone, dude. Yeah. Yes. Let's just let that sit for a second. And the presentation is like kind of amazing. Like <laughs> I haven't played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh games, but I feel like they kind of get the the vibe of the show. Like it looks really good, it feels really good. They like the way that the the, the two players communicate with each other feels very evocative of the anime. Like the core of it seems really cool. But every time I log in, it's like, Hey, did you know you can do this? Don't forget about this. Here's your bonus for here. Here's the special bonus. And it's just like, I have to like go through like 10 different things before I can just fling some cards and be some spiky-haired anime boy that I just get kind of pissed off. And I just needed, I needed, there's no point here. There's no broader point. I'm not even trying to try Mm -hmm. it in here. I just need to express that on Frame Trap for a second. Oh, dude. It's like,
2: I'm thinking of like what Domain was saying when it's like, we just want this, make this, they do something different. It's like uh, Dragon's Dogma.
3: Yeah.
2: We're like just give us Dragon's Dogma two, mm. like how we want it. Like just like Dragon's Dogma One. And they just like make some online game and it's like, oh, just I'm kidding. No, one, no game. one gets
1: it though in the West.
0: Yeah. You're just like, Cool dude. That's the problem.
1: It's also I saw an example of like where maybe the uh, the community doesn't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. But it's also the the series has gone in a bad direction. Star Fox. Yeah. Like, we actually, I asked this question on the panel uh, on a previous episode of Franco. Yeah. So, like, what do you, for Star Fox's birthday, like, what do you do with Star Fox at this point? They've handed it off to a lot of different developers to try different things. But, like, what is, what do you go point to? What do you want? I think Star Fox is such a brilliant example because it's like,
0: we want it to feel like this, but be completely new and fresh. Yeah, it's yeah. like,
1: Star Fox 0 was like, okay, they force some weird control scheme down your throats. But take that away. Was that really a great game if you just played it with normal controls? It was another remake of Star Fox 64. Which was, I mean, it was a remake of Star Fox, Star Fox 64. It was a remake of the original Star Fox. It was like... All right, what do you pay. do here? And like, we were struggling to come up with ideas like maybe actually give the from the ground up development to Platinum and let them see what they could do with it. But would that even be good? Like, uh, it, yeah, there's some series where it's like frustrating because you just don't know what to do with it. I,
0: I think Breath of the Wild set a very good example. Like, Break that up. Give me something completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, blend genres with Star Fox. Like, I, like, it's at a point... Star Fox of the Wild. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Star
2: Fox Adventure already is pretty pretty bad. But that wasn't a Star Fox game originally. I mean, I want to be either.
0: flying ships.
2: That's yeah. the one... I mean, yeah, like, you gotta. Like, that's, the one that's not what Star Fox Adventure was or whatever. Yeah. You're on a dinosaur plane with a spear.
0: Get out of here Man. with that. Man... I was was so excited for Star Fox Adventures, and like that was a game that I rented. Me too. Rented like it's like one of those things where you start playing it and you have this huge smile on your face, Mm -hmm. and then as you're playing it, it just Because it
2: starts off in like the the
0: R Wing too. You're like, nice! Then I just I didn't like that game. Uh, our next email comes in from Christopher, and he says, Not everything needs to be on the Switch. Okay. The Switch is 1 year old, 1 year old. As someone who had been around that whole time, I love that tablet dearly. But I want to talk about an issue revolving around the system. People have consistently complained over the last year in situations where a game was announced for all platforms except the Switch. I've seen comments of people that have multiple consoles but refuse to buy certain games simply on the basis that there isn't a Switch version. Well, I hmm. think that it's good to be vocal about bringing games to Switch, I've seen a lot of feedback that hasn't been so supportive of developers. A lot of people were uncertain of the Switch's success before the console finally came out, and unless developers were planning ahead, we mm. c- wouldn't see day and date versions. Porting a game isn't as easy as a copy and paste, after all. I just get upset when I see these complaints, as I think they aren't always grounded in rationality. Allies, what do you think? Is it the responsibility of developers and publishers to be more communicative about which of their games will come to the Switch? Is it their responsibility to bring games to the Switch at all? Do you get emotionally crushed when some anticipated titles aren't on Switch, or are you content with what's already there?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm sure people have unreasonably asked for certain games to be on Switch that probably don't make sense. Uh, they made a good point at the beginning. Everyone in their right mind who was a third-party developer did not embrace the Switch initially, with very few exceptions, because the Wii U was a complete failure. Yep. Well, no one was going to, like, jump on board except for, like, a handful of, like, really loyal... Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft and uh, and uh, uh, Hudson. So, mm-hmm. Like, here's Bomberman, and here's, uh, <laughs> yeah, here's a few things. Like, th- people threw out a few things at the beginning. Is like, that's really all we're giving you, Nintendo, because... We use a disaster. So, yes, everyone, like, and, and most everyone came around and eventually said, Hey, Switch is a success. We've got stuff in the pipeline. Calm down. Like, we're not. I think there was some resentment from some of the more Nintendo centric consumers who were, like, accusing third parties, like, you're just. Switch is successful. Where are the ports? Where are the games for it? And it's, mm-hmm. like, it takes time for those games. Capcom said, Yes, we got stuff in the works. It takes time. And everyone like Band Dynamics, like we got stuff, it just we didn't embrace it at first, like gotta chill out. And I, I, I see the request. some of them I think are unreasonable, like Monster Hunter World. People are like, Why is Monster Owned World not on Switch? I was like, You really want to play Monster Hunter World on Switch? I was like, I get you might want to play it on the go, but at the same time, that game is gonna run like trash on the mm-hmm. Switch. No, like gotta be realistic here. It's probably a game you don't want to play on the Switch. You probably want a Monster Hunter game on Switch, which you're gonna get, you know. Uh, You got it in Japan already. I don't come out here yet. No, No, No. double cross. cross, yeah. It's just pain. But you will. There will eventually be a Monster Hunter game on Switch. That is. Tailored to Switch's, you know, hardware that you'll get. So chill out. Just wait for it.
0: Man, I don't know if I feel so as confident about that given the success of World. I oh, don't know. I think given we'll
1: the success of World and how successful Switch is in Japan and here, there's definitely you gonna be, to a guarantee. Mon- oh, there definitely a, be a monster. I think there will definitely be a different hunter. monster hunter. Yeah. It will be World. It'll be another like, yeah. like lower graphic fidelity monster hunter that'll be on Switch in I, I guarantee that's going to happen at okay. some point in the lifespan of this. But going forward, like there are some games I can see. There are some games that aren't very graphically intensive um, that have come out. A lot of the indies have embraced Switch, but there have always been games that haven't necessarily been on the Switch from the get-go. And people ask, that was a game that makes perfect sense to be on the Switch, but it's not on there and there's certain reasons. Uh, one of them was uh, the Disney collection. Remember yeah, that thing? Disney collection. So it yeah. like such a simple thing from Capcom early on, and it was like, why is that not on Switch? Like that's so simple. Especially
2: because all those games were on Nintendo.
0: Yeah. I, in, in my opinion, I feel like it is a complaint that will resolve itself, where as the Switch grows in maturity, where th- these types of instances are going to happen less and less. Like, yes, there of course there will be some games yes. announced that you want on Switch that won't be, but I I think it's just. This system is still relatively young, and this, this is a problem that won't be a problem within the next year.
1: Yeah, you, you summed it up. Like, given enough time, this will die down and go away. I know to an extent it's annoying, but just be patient. It, 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 will, it will subside. Yes. It will definitely subside.
0: Try not to let the internet noise bring it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our last email of the day comes in. This is, this is very relevant to this panel. Xenoblade2 the ultimate love-slash-hate game. This is from Mike. <laughs> ben, after hearing you discuss Xenoblade a number of times, when my wife got me a Switch for Christmas last year, she got me the standard Mario and Zelda, but also Xenoblade 2. There was a lot to love about the game, but there was also Bombblade Blade and Tiger Tiger, both of which were fun at first but quickly became tedious due to how often you had to work with both mechanics to get anything meaningful out of them. Uh, when you open 99 legendary core crystals in a row with over 900 luck and you get none of the remaining four <laughs> blades you need that only come from bonding, <laughs> oh that's just God. not okay. Yeah. <laughs> there are also a lot of little paper cut level annoyances. Bad voice acting for some characters in battle dialogue that could be shut off if you were willing to sacrifice other dialogue elsewhere. Field skill activation on a collection point that would extend to how long it took to get set of items by 10 or so seconds. That dragged down the overall experience over the 200 hours we played it. That is a long time. I can't recall any game I've ever started to hate so much while also being unable to put it down because I was also enjoying (laughs) it so much. Does the panel have any games where they had this duality of feeling toward it and not just for part of the game, but throughout your entire playthrough? Uh
2: yeah, that game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Geno game two <laughs> Yeah. pretty much. Uh
0: yeah, that, that nailed you, it. Did did Mike basically sum up your feelings or were there other things at play there?
2: Uh he covered like most of my bases I could think of right now. So, like, like the Tiger Tiger game, I just like
1: I was like, I'm not using Poppy. I that I mean that didn't bug me as much. My thing was they just the Genoblade two was constantly disappointing me in terms of <laughs> small quality of life mishaps. Like, things that had been done in other games for years after Xenoblade 1 had come out, and since X has come out, that just weren't there. Simple things such as the map, the map interface, bringing up the map, being able to see where you are, how many different steps, how many button inputs it took to get to mm-hmm. it. I was like, are you kidding me? Why can't I? I was like, Xenoblade dev team, I'm going to give you a list of five games. Go look at them. Just do the map exactly like they do it. Just please do that. The filters, the filters. They like the uh, apparently there's a dev quote saying like you had to. Me- they wanted you to memorize all the gathering locations in the game instead of putting them on the map. I was like, no, no, you don't do that in 2018. I'm sorry, like we've all been spoiled with like fil- like markers and stuff. I was like, like Final Fantasy XI. It's like they want us to go back to Final Fantasy Eleven style where talk with people and open up the wiki. I was like, no. So that quality of life stuff which they started to try and improve with the most recent patch, uh, I, I, I feel like that needed to be there from day one. So sure. that was aggravate constantly aggravating me. Um, another one was just uh, the way it leads you on. It, it, people were arguing that it was part of the game's nature of fostering, go out and explore, and you're going to get lost a lot, versus I just want to stay on the critical path, the critical story path, I don't want to get lost if I'm following that. There is a moment. It happened again in my second playthrough. That's what I was going to bring up if we if we discuss Xenoblade 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you do, you rescue uh, Nia... And you have to go to the shipyard on a different part of the, whatever the heck, Garmont Titan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go to, like, the left side. But, like, where it starts you after, like, after you, like, finish that quest line, after that story quest line, you have Nia. Where they put you and where the way... Uh, it's not even a way marker. It's the final destination. It's not on the current map. So you can't view the maps to see where it is. is got to find, yeah, so find the path. Yeah. Yes, you got to find the path. Oh, my God. And... I got lost again on a second time. I was getting so angry. I was like, chat, this is what I was talking about. I've already beat this game. I know I got to, I know it's that, that valley path. You got to go down to that little abandoned, like warehouse house looking thing with a ship, with the yeah. no pond there. And then like the kids were tormenting. I'm like, I've done this. How do I get there again? Where's on the map?
0: It happened to me in both Xenoblade Chronicles 1, Xenoblade Chronicles X, and also, of course, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, where they go out of their way to give you really interesting geography where there's a lot of, like, paths or things nestled in or, like, extended or, like, weird curves and topography. But the map that they give you does such a piss-poor job (laughs) of, like, communicating on a, like, at-a-glance level how all that stuff is laid out and so like there are so yes. many times where there'll be a marker and it's like i need to go there and it's just it's on the map but the map is not giving me any real sense of how to get there and of course you like you said people argue that they want you to get lost but it's like you have to give like some sort of pointer a, giving you a a general idea of how this even exists does not ruin the sense of yeah if you want to
1: stay on the crypt path like this is kind of important they could have gone on any number of ways to solve this. An actual waypoint in between your final destination and there. Like, a waypoint on the existing map that ha- helped guide you a little bit more. Like, you're looking in this general region. Go here. around right right. on this spot you can't even see on a different maps. like, I have no idea they get there. Or even, like, the old trick of a cutscene. Like, hey, we're coming out of, like, saying Nia from the, the Dreadnought ship or whatever. Oh, so uh, Rex, we got to go up this way, and the camera like maybe just pans Jones up. Zones over there, yeah. It's like, oh, that's like one of the oldest trick in the books, or even just dialogue saying there's gonna be a path up here. When I googled it, because I was like, okay, I'm not wasting time on this again. Like first time I played through it, I toughed it out, figured it out eventually after like however long it took. This time, I'm like, no, I'm opening on Google. When I search for it, so many results came up for that specific quest objective. The like guides how to do it, and they're like, "This is probably the part where you're gonna get lost in Xenoblade Chronicles." I was like, "Come on!" Like this is like like if everyone's complaining about this, or a lot sure. of people, this is kind of on you, development team. It's not on the player base for this. And the, the like, the small moments like that were enough to just like. I was having such a good time, like, going forward, exploring again, like, seeing the zones. Like, yeah, it's a new game plus. It's supposed to be... I want to move through at a brisk pace. It's fun again. And then wasting so much time, like, oops, where do I go here? I was like, oh, it was just so frustrating. I couldn't... I was like, can't deal with this right now.
2: Makes me appreciate Breath of the Wild so much more. We're in that world. I'm like, I have the tools to to maneuver this world. Sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, we jones and multiple eyes have said it but like i don't think climb everything would be a bad thing to steal for for any no because so i, I
2: played horizon after
0: it yeah and i was like
2: oh just climb up this rock
0: yep 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 uh my <laughs> ultimate love hate game i agree with like a lot of the complaints that were being levied against center 2 there but that's not my ultimate love hate game my ultimate love hate game is Fucking Hearthstone, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I go through phases with it, and I have Here since like 2013. But there are so many things in that game. No game brings me so quick to anger than Hearthstone. And it's like, it's it always feels like it's a race to the bottom. Like a new expansion will come out, and you're so excited, and they're trying all these cool, crazy new things. And that's awesome. But then something will be broken. It'll be clearly broken, and everybody will be using it because it's broken. Oh my god! And the team takes months and months and months and months and months to dude, even try to do that's something. Just, dude, with
2: that's it. just Blizzard. Blizzard are so slow and bad about that. Like I remember Overwatch, just like the the reign of mercy. I
0: I just I just. I've been following this game for so long. Just like, hurry up! It's just like take,
2: Blizzard. Like, you have the money and
0: the resources. Why are you taking so long? And now mm. they're they're adding a tournament mode, and it's like people have been complaining about this forever. And it's just it, it's immensely frustrating that they seem to move at a glacial pace, and they don't communicate things very well. And people have had the same types of complaints for years now, and it's just aggravating. But you you keep checking in. You keep taking that peek. Because there's something there. Yeah. There's a, there's that Always little, bit a little of magic. Yeah. There's that little bit of magic that is there. But yeah, I I just all I'm saying, and I I think Overwatch actually does a better job with it. it does a better
2: job, I think.
0: Communication goes a long way. Yeah, people are willing to put up with waiting if you just are like, hey, this is what's going on. That's all I want to see more of. And I know they try, and I know it's hard, and I know it's easy to be an asshole on a podcast yeah, and lobby absolutely. complaints. But and
2: like, and it's, I think it's like depends how you. Give them like feedback too. Exactly,
0: exactly. Like, and as people who deal with feedback, it can be really hard to want to engage with it when it's like not constructive or interesting, or it's like you didn't even you didn't even watch this. Yeah, because <laughs> we we talk about the things yep, that yep, you're, yep. you're complaining about. So yeah, how you phrase feedback is very important. But yeah, that's gonna be it for a frame. Yeah, track. yeah, yeah. We're almost at exactly three hours. Hmm. Thanks for talking games. you for talking Shadow Colossus. Thanks for talking Final Fantasy XI with me, Bradley Ellis, Michael Damiani. If you would like us to chew on your email, you can email askeasyallies at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about us, the best place to go is patreon.com slash easyallies. And we will see you next time.